Welcome to another episode of the Renegade Detroit Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Burgess, professional real estate investor, permaculture, and urban farmer, curmudgeon, skeptic, and Kelly Williams agent. What is Renegade Detroit Investors? RDI is a local real estate investment and business group that meets monthly at various locations throughout Metro Detroit. This group's about networking and doing deals. This ain't your grandma's Rhea, folks. No guru bullshit from the front and no smell of stale coffee, been gay, and or disappointment. You know what I'm talking about. RDI is also this podcast where once a week I sit down with interesting and successful business people getting shit done, and I pick their brain for your entertainment and hopefully education. If you enjoy this podcast, help me out. Um, This was going to be the second anniversary edition, and unfortunately, when you try to get five guys together and get their schedules together, it's difficult to do. So consider this uh, part of the anniversary Renegade Detroit Investors edition. We're going to call it The Wholesalers. But also, um, we need to grow this podcast. I fully expected this thing to be shut down after a year. We just crossed 10,000 listens. We're averaging 500 weekly listeners, and I need your help to grow this in the next year to 5,000 weekly listeners. Here's what I need you to do. If you haven't already, I need you to go rate it on iTunes. If you don't know how to do it, fucking Google it. Figure it out. It's a pain in the ass, but I need you to do this, please. If you enjoy the podcast, if you don't, fuck off. Don't do it. All right. Give it a like and also share everyone on social media. I'm talking everyone. Um, I want to continue doing this, but at some point it's going to have to make money. So I I calculated all my time last year. And if I only work 40 hours a week, which I didn't, this podcast took one whole month. It takes three hours off air for every one hour on air. All right. So it's like I took a whole month. I took a, a month vacation and I produced free content for you. That is not sustainable, folks, but I'm willing to put some sweat equity in if you're willing to help me out. So so subscribe, rate, share it, like it, and give me feedback too. Go to renegadedetroit.com. Let me know um, what you think or if you have any guest suggestions or if I can improve or do better. If you're interested in attending any of the local meetings, go to meetup.com forward slash renegadedetroitinvestors or facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club. Hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at Jeremy Burgess. I'm on Snapchat at Jeremy A. Burgess because some motherfucker snuck in and got it first. And as always, YouTube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit Wholesalers. All right. Legal disclaimer. No way, shape or form should anything that I and or my guests say be taken as legal and or investment advice. We highly recommend that before you make any investment decision or decisions, you contact a lawyer, attorney and or other licensed professionals. Be an adult. Don't fucking sue me. All right, time for the Renegade Joint Investors Show Quote of the Week, where I try and pick a quote that sets a tone for the podcast and hopefully your week. If you have an apple and I have an apple and we exchange these apples, then you and I will still each have one apple. But if you have an idea and I have an idea and we exchange these ideas, then each of us will have two ideas. George Bernard Shaw. And let me introduce you to my guests, folks. I'm calling this episode The Wholesalers. So I have Mike Cowper, Mike Simmons, Ron Walraven, and Steve Lundo. And in the background, Mr. Tommy Desmond's chilling like a fly on the wall. He didn't want to miss this. Uh, Mike Cowper. Mike is originally from the great state of Alaska, but moved to Michigan during his high school years and never left. He's a husband of five years and a new father. Relatively new, at least when I copy and paste this from the previous podcast. Before real estate, Mike was an award-winning salesman for nine years with Sharp and Allergen. And the last year, he's turned his talents and energy towards real estate investing and has bought several rentals and also sold a condo on land contract. Mike is also a partner at Return on Investments LLC with Mr. Mike Simmons and is currently averaging some shitload amount of deals a month. What are you at, man? 
you hit it shitload. Shitload. Yeah, there shitload we go. That's a very good way of saying it. Probably somewhere between 10 and 20. We have active deals right now. That's pretty good. So awesome. check them out. Mike buys houses for cash.com. We buy ROI.com. 248-871-7450. Then we got Mike Simmons. That's I call him Mike Squared. And they're sharing a mic, so Mike cubed. Yeah, I know. There you go. Stupid ass jokes. I got a few of those. Uh, Mike started his real estate investment career business in 2008, right as the market was bottoming out. For the first seven years, he methodically built a successful flipping business. Over the last few years, he's also acquired several buy and hold properties. Um, last year, he turned his attention to full sailing, full, wholesaling full time. And in August, he partnered with Mike Cowper. Another local investor who I just talked about. And together they formed Return on Investments LLC. Mike also hosts a successful podcast called Just Start Real Estate, where he interviews some of the most successful real estate investors in the country, while also drawing on his years of successful real estate investing to educate and inspire both new and experienced investors. Check them out. We buy ROI.com. If you're interested in the podcast, just start real estate.com forward slash iTunes, and you can just search. Just start real estate on iTunes, SoundCloud, whatever you're listening to. Check them out on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Simmons, S I M M O N S investments, or just send them an email, Mike at WeBuyROI.com. Then we got Mr. Ron Wallraven. Ron is a full time real estate investor, real estate agent, and broker with back, uh, Backwater. That was Blackwater. Blackwater. Yeah. Sorry, typo. Blackwater. Real estate with over 16 years of experience and 3,000 plus houses listed, sold, flipped, and or wholesaled. A juggernaut. Before real estate, he was in the auto industry for 18 years before his body quit, which forced him to start another career, and he chose real estate. Ron was born in Flint, Michigan. He's married with four children, and real estate continues to be a family affair. Check him out, Ron Walraven, ibuymihomes.com, and he's at Ron Walraven on Twitter and check him out on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Ron dot Wallraven. And last but not least, Mr. Steve Londo, the guy who helped me start this podcast. Steve is a full-time real estate investor with hundreds of deals under his belt from short sales to bulk note buying and selling to his current endeavor, wholesaling domination. This dude eats, breathes, and shits real estate investing. He got a start in the business as a title examiner where he saw other investor deals come across his desk. and was like, fuck that. I'm going to do something different. He started asking too many questions, and eventually he was fired for working his real estate deals at work. He was still getting his job done. He was just uh, multitasking. And he's one of the best closers in person I have seen to date. Check him out, stevebuyshousesfast.com or 313cashdeals.com. He also has a podcast, flipthispodcast.com, and you can just search that on iTunes, Flip This Podcast, or on SoundCloud as well. Give him a call, 734 272 Zero zero four. Wow. Seven minutes to get through that. Sorry. The wholesalers. Welcome, gentlemen. Hello. Yep. Thank, Thank you. And I got to apologize. Um, I have four mics and five people. So Mike Square drew the short stick. Um, sorry, guys. It's okay. That's okay. <laughs> so I'm just going to open it up. Is um, I, I guess we're going to start. So I'm going to. So Ron, can you say something? Yeah. Hello. All right. So that's the sound of Ron's voice, Steve. What's up? All right, Mike. Uh, this is Mike Cowper. Mike Cowper and Mike Simmons. All right, I hope that helps you guys. We're gonna have Not five people talking. You're gonna, you might get confused. Wait, Mike and Mike one, and two, three. All right, everybody start talking over each other and yelling <laughs> and screaming. Okay. Awesome. Perfect. So at least you now know what everybody sounds like. So as of August 2016, I don't care who goes first, but what, what's everybody? 
what's everybody currently working on, man? Markets are changing. Well, I think the market's actually pretty hot. Okay. I think very hot. The wholesale side, I think, is actually working better than just simply rehabbing these days. So I'm sure Mike and Mike over there would agree with that. Seems like we can keep more of them and do a little bit of work and blow them out kind of simply. So, What do you mean wholesaling? When people are listening, what do you mean by wholesaling? Well, sometimes when you're trying to buy a cash, you try you can't buy it low enough. So if you, all you got to do is kind of pretty it up and put it back out there, it seems like it works. You don't make maybe as much because you got to pay some closing costs on the backside. But I think that if you can do five more deals a month because you can buy those five – now, the key to that is closing, right? Because a true wholesale is not using your own cash. Yeah. So you got to have that wherewithal to have that cash. But I think that's a it's working better now than it has in the recent time. I think. So. Okay. Yeah. To kind of piggyback on what Ron just said, a lot of times when we're looking at a wholesale, we are looking at carpet paint. We don't want to do any major renovation. Sometimes it's broom clean. Sometimes you have to do little minor rehab fixes here and there, fix a leaky pipe or whatnot, but it's it's not a full-on renovation, just like Ron said. And there's a lot of homeowners that want to get into a house and do their own sweat equity, where an investor, there's not enough money for them to make their profit and us make our profit. So he's right. It, it seems to be a very good model right now. All right. And you guys are selling those on uh, to people who are buying with financing? or MLS them. Okay, right if on I the MLS. Take possession, I'm putting it on MLS. Hell yeah. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, same exact thing. We we buy it with cash or hard money or some sort of private funding and then we do the light renovation and throw on the MLS as well. Sell it to a homeowner. Okay. Your, How, yeah, what are the spreads? Favorite? What are the spreads you want? And what's your turnaround time for yeah. close to close usually? Yeah, so like Mike was saying, <clears throat> we throw them on the MLS. The turnaround time is like we're we're usually targeting on most houses to spend less than five thousand dollars. So we can usually blow that out in a few weeks, no big deal. But when you put it on the MLS, you you sort of run the risk, if you want to call it a risk, of of ending up with an FHA buyer, and you can't. You know, there's a seasoning issue when you when you sell yeah. FHA. So sometimes it's just three months, no matter how you slice it and dice it. But depending on the property and the price point, you can still get cash buyers, obviously, on the MLS. So uh, you know, if you get lucky and get it get a cash buyer, you can be in and out of it in a month or month or two at the most. Uh, if you're going to sell to somebody has to get FHA financing, then it could take, you know, 30, I'm sorry, 90 to 120 days. So. Yeah. What, what, uh, what kind of spreads are you guys seeing? Or are they all over the board? Um, I mean, they're kind of all over the board, but <clears throat> I, I would say on an average wholesale for us, well, <laughs> I'm looking up like, I don't know. I know the number on an average wholesale for us, we're making about $20,000. Okay. That, that awesome. seems worth it. Um, Turnaround time ninety days too. Well, I think a lot of times you got to look at the comps, right? What are the comps doing in that particular area? So before you hit the door, you already know that if I can buy this one a little more, I can give a little more as you're negotiating because you know you're going to simply close and relist it. Most of the time, I just pull all the stuff out of it. I just trash it out as opposed to actually doing work mm-hmm. and test it. And if it doesn't get a quick offer, then I pull it back off and then do whatever I think it needs to be done. Yeah, we do the same thing. For for us, the beauty of the wholesale is, you know, when you're doing a flip, a full-on flip, you're looking at the ARV, right? What it will sell at the end of the day, fully renovated. So you're a lot of times trying to push the market a little bit, right? You're trying yeah. to hit the top of the market, which can be tricky because any uh, any uh, appraiser can come through and kill your dream, you know, in a, in a half an hour. <laughs> and so, will and will ex- and will. So when you do a wholesale, the beauty of it is you're sort of hitting that meaty part of the of the market, right? Ooh, you meaty. know, if 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 the ARV is is one hundred fifty thousand and 
you know, houses that are selling in their kind of outdated but clean and functional condition are at 125, that's really where you're trying to hit. And if you can get it low enough to put a few thousand into it and 125 is good for you, that's exactly where you want to be. It's a lot easier to get those appraisals too, I think. So is that 20 without after or after commissions or after everything or yeah, it's 20, 20,000 profit. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. That's just interesting. So you're just kind of, and there's a market for that right now. What I find interesting right now is you got to look at it both ways. Are the comps stupid? Like you can any brand, any dead deadbeat realtor can actually look at it and see what the number is, or are there no comps? And then you can kind of set the market because the appraisers know that the market's rising and there's nothing to compare it to. They accept whatever your whatever your number is, mm. your contract, if it's a homeowner with a mortgage. Now the caveat to the FHA, I have found out that VA doesn't need seasoning. Doesn't? No. And I just yeah, I, I went through that and I took didn't take an offer in one house because of that, and then took another <clears throat> offer that fell through because the inspection. In the meantime, the realtor went and found that out. VA doesn't season. Yeah. Nor did I until just a week ago. Yeah. So. Well, question. Um, what percentage do you think your wholetailing is taking up in your business right now versus wholesaling and flipping? Well, I think it's price point, right? You know, if we've got the cheap house, wholetailing a cheap house isn't necessarily the the best way, but it's more of those upper-end houses that we can't buy typically, right, because of the competition. Ah, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. What about because you Because usually the $200,000 valued house has a more sophisticated homeowner, right? And they're they're not as apt to sell it to you cheaply at that point. Yeah. Yeah, for us, it's about thirty percent. To answer your question, we're, okay. we're at about thirty percent, and we're we're probably we're ho- really we're not that discriminating when it comes to the price point. If if we can prove out the you know what it's going to be worth on the MLS and we get it low enough, but there's not a big honestly the lower price point ones for us are the ones that are a little bit more tempting because you know for example if you buy a house for ten thousand. And you can sell it for twenty five on the MLS, but it needs fifteen thousand or twenty thousand of work. Sometimes it's tough to to push those through with a with the investor. So you know, sometimes you can put those on the MLS and get plus on those kind of houses. You when you get on the MLS, you open yourself up to the entire world of buyers that aren't on your list. So we don't really discriminate on price point that much. It really just doesn't make sense. Yeah, well, that's interesting. It's like another tool in the bag, right? Because it is the market as the market gets better, it does get a little bit more. Uh competitive right you got more more things going for people's time and attention right so so what we would say about this is we buy everything try to get at a wholesale level and then analyze what is the best exit strategy monetarily you know speaking so if we get a wholesale level it makes more sense we make way more money wholesaling we will but if you can always lock it up at a wholesale price then you just have we have lots of exits yeah, yeah the more exit strategy you have the better you are going to be in any position you're ever in. Because then you can look at it and go, okay, can this be a landlord? Can this be a flip? Can this be a wholesale? We throw the MLS to a homeowner if we put a little bit into it. So like Ron said, the more exit strategies you have, the better opportunity you have to monetize that particular lead that you're working on. I like it. I like having more tools for the tool bag. Steve, what you been working on, man? What you been doing? Straight straight wholesaling for the most part. Um, I had a wholesale deal that my wholesale deals, I haven't been able to close on them and then – sell them i haven't tried necessarily i don't have cash i don't really look for private lenders to do that with um i don't want to borrow money from anybody right now so pretty much i'm just straight wholesaling when i get one that more is a wholesale i'll put it on the mls and yeah see what i can get very select deals i'll do like me and jeff for had a really unique deal we're going to talk about it on an upcoming 
one of my podcasts, but it was. Oh, you want to talk about it right here? Deal. No, because it's not closed. So not oh. until it closes. Okay. You never know what happens. That's but true. That's a good like, point. It's going to be an interesting story because there's a lot of people locally involved and, uh, it's like a double flip. So, oh, Tommy's involved. Yes. Yeah. It's you, got, you got one it's of them sitting right deal. behind you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm Don't not tell here. the story. Yeah. Just tell yeah. us the address. Don't yeah. tell us. <laughs> one, two, three. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, that's a really cool, uh, interesting deal. Another thing I'm doing a little bit more of is seller financing. I'm, because I'm not in a I can close mindset, like I can close with cash. I go from, if their price is too high, I go to, what well, would you consider some kind of seller financing? And I've been able to work out a few deals that way, wholesale those like any other wholesale. Um, yeah, you did do that so. one. Didn't you sell a few to um, like Chris got one that you did as a seller financing Chris's deal? Chris's was a regular wholesale. Oh, it was a wholesale. Re- okay, deal. it was a regular yeah. wholesale. Yeah. I thought you just wholesaled one where there was some seller financing. I did, fin- a land contract, yep, down yeah. there in um, Wyandotte. Yeah. Wyandotte. Do you want to talk about that one real quick? Yeah, yeah. So actually, I did the... Um, Negotiating with the seller on Facebook live, live on Facebook. Yeah. So what is this? he was tough too. He was a bear. I'm, well, you're talking. I'm going to pull up. Do you know what your Facebook is? So people can go look at it. Um, is it, uh, it was on my Facebook page. I'm pretty sure, right? It's Facebook.com slash forward slash Steve Londo. Steve Londo. Yep. I'll put it in the show notes, folks. But you should go check out his Facebook live because yeah. you we got we got. If you go to my page, which is uh, Facebook.com forward slash Detroit Jeremy, I got him making the call. And he booked the appointment oh, yeah. and he actually, so I think we have the whole thing and you got pictures at closing. Yep. And yeah, that was, a, he was a tough guy. He was really tough and he's still tough because he's calling me now. He called me three times today. <laughs> so, that deal? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he's got like 11 or 12 other houses. So I'm trying to get yeah, the other houses, but the gas hasn't been switched over yet. And like little, the, the wine dot's weird too, because a lot of their oh, stuff yeah. is. They have a hydro. Yeah. So. <laughs> And I'm not, I'm out of it now, so it's news to me. I assume the guy to take care of it all, and it's been a couple of weeks. But anyway, yeah, live on Facebook, we negotiated with him. He was really tough. Got the deal all squared away. It was, I want to say, I don't remember the price now, like 50, 58000 I think, uh, 3000 down, 10 years, $450 payments a month. And then I flipped it for seven downs. So I made four. And the rest of the terms were the same. It was supposed to be 10 years. All the paperwork's done. We're at closing. My buyer had already signed. Everything was done for five years. And I'm like, oh, that would not have flown if I was the buyer. But he was like, I saw it. I don't don't really care. He didn't care. I was like, okay, whatever. I I got a quick question because this is something that we kind of struggle with. Maybe me more personally than anybody else. Did you know the person that was buying it and trust them? Because we have a list that's pretty extensive, and I don't know that I would trust to wholesale a, a seller finance deal. Because if, if somehow they didn't perform, like I know yeah. if I bought it myself, I'm gonna make that payment if I'm you know living under a rock. Right. I don't know everybody on our list that way. I mean, how does that go through your mind when you're looking at that in terms of wholesaling? I, it's I know case by case. Like in fact, this deal in Royal Oak that Jeff and, and I are doing. We, I had a buyer from Seattle that was very interested in the second sale, which was a, it's a seller finance deal that Jeff was going to do, but someone else locally was interested too. So obviously he's, and we know the guy, so we're going with that deal instead. So it definitely enters my mind. It's something I think about very hard when I'm negotiating with the buyer. I didn't know the buyer. However, his credentials, um, kind of checked out and everything. Joe Delia in the house. What up, and, Joe? Uh, and um, 
So he's a broker. He's been a broker for like 20 years or something like that down river. I asked a couple people around about him and they, they had heard of him before. So, um, that was good enough for me in this case. So that's true. If he's a broker, yeah, he's probably yeah. less likely to, um, one would hope less likely to do it. That's a good point though. It, what are the, good point. What do, Ron, what do you think of the ethics of wholesaling a, um, or what would you do wholesaling a seller finance well, as long deal? As you're telling the seller at the front side, that's what you're going to do. Then he knows that the other guy's got to perform as well as you. So the risk, the risk, there's no risk as you did disclose. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm going to wholesale this to somebody else. I'm not going to keep it. Okay. Yeah. And when that guy doesn't do anything, him calling you says, well, I told you that's what I was going to do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause you don't, your ethics aren't his ethics. Right. Right. And everybody knows what's going on at the table because he signed the contract, right? Mm-hmm. At the closing. So the seller knows, wait, you're in the middle. Man. Yep. He knows. And I told him in the beginning, it wasn't that clear. I always say, I have a partner. I'm the acquisitions angle. I just, my job is to come out, pre screen properties, talk to you, make a deal, and then it gets handed off. Because I don't always want them knowing I'm the boss either when I'm the one dealing with the sellers because I, I always want to have a bad guy, a partner to blame yeah. something on. Yeah. So. I blame all my shit on you, Steve. I know. I don't have anybody to blame it on. I don't have a partner that to blame it on. golden so. ticket right there. Yeah. Always blame somebody My else. partner's an you asshole. You always have a higher yeah. authority that you're reporting to. Yeah. Yeah. Never wants to do any of the things I I would totally do it. But yeah. but Steve won't let me. So, yeah. So, I, I it's something I was really concerned about, too. And then especially with the other deal, the Royal Oak one. But that one was more... Uh, an investor was buying it and funding another investor. And it was more of a, it's kind of an experiment really, because it has, we haven't done it yet. Um, but it's interesting, but I'm seeing a lot more because sellers want more money. They know the prices are going up. I, I can't, I don't want to make a promise that I can buy at a, at a wholesale side price where you offer more. If I can't close or I'm really, really, really sure. Cause I, I was really, really sure on this Troy house and it really took up until the end of the, day to close. I, yeah, I guess I did okay, but you know, I was on the market for a long yeah. time. We had a lot of interest, but yeah. nothing, no, no, off, no offers until we finally got into work. It was on a slab. Yep. Strange house on a slab. Otherwise yeah. it would have been gone really quick. ARV was hard to, my problem was negotiating or, or determining the ARV. My number was here. Everybody else's was here. And the opposite happened with us. But, we had a deal. Yeah, and I I I, I signed that property yesterday as, or the day before to buy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. yeah, I signed it to Mike. I can't. I won't say his last name. Yeah, yeah. You were. In, I was in first. You were in second. You called me. Yeah. Hey, Ron. Here's where I'm at. Here's where I'm at. Okay, yeah, yeah. you take it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> we were. So we're, when you said that, I'm going. Uh oh. What yeah, did I miss? Yeah. But you know what? My my main partner Jesse looked at that deal too. He was good with the number, with my number. So I'm just. In, I'm really yeah. conservative. I, I've been burned so many times. I'm really conservative on my my numbers because I hate being wrong. Because if I'm wrong and I don't close, it's just one canceled contract. It's a wasted month or it's wasted time and effort of driving out and all that stuff. It just drives me nuts. But I don't know what else to do. I don't know another way to do it. I don't want to stretch the numbers too much because when I do that, I feel like I'm wrong and I miss out. So I try to be aggressive on my offers. And especially when those buyers are calling you and you're not confident, right? Yeah. You're going, yeah, well, I think I can get this or yeah. price improvement. Who's yeah, there? price <laughs> improvement. I stole that. I yeah, that. I love that term, actually. <laughs> uh, so anyway, yeah, I mean, it's... it's. I got a question well, for you guys because... I'm having a hard time in certain communities like Ferndale. 
I've lost out on several listings in Ferndale because every house sells for more than the last fucking house sold for. How do you how do you handle that? Or uh, I'm looking for some help here. How do you guys handle that? I don't know specifically about that, but I would say people need to know the difference between Ferndale and Royal Oak Township, which sits <laughs> dead center in the middle. Yes. And people try to sell you houses as Ferndale. So yeah. buyer beware on those ones. That's a good point. Yeah. I would Put it say numbers 21312. You need to look the yeah. other way. Yeah. Yeah. When you're I, – I would say one rule of thumb that I've looked at is east and west of Hilton is one indicator where if you're west – I mean east of Hilton, values are a little, a little bit lower – it's not as uh, thanks, not Joe. As, thanks, Joe. Hooking us up with Gatorade. It's not as uh, thank you as nice. Um, yeah. I'm having a hard time getting deals over there because of the same reason. Yeah, they think it's worth way more, and it really the the prices do just keep going up and up. And they're and up. right. It seems like a lot oh, of yeah, times. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't, I don't want to bet my money or somebody else's money on it too, because at yeah. some point it's like musical chairs, right? The chair gets pulled. Exactly. There at the end. Well, right now, I don't think there's enough data to show the fact that the numbers are rising that fast. So guys like us, we don't, we can't look at the data and say, yeah, I can do that for what we do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? So once it closes once or twice, you go, wow, look at that. <laughs> it's like $10 more a square foot than everything in the planet. You yeah, go, hey, maybe on the next one I go in. I, I was just thinking the other day, Jesse and I were talking about it. We were analyzing this one area, and it's like... All of a sudden, these prices are just jumping. I said, you know, I think we need to market to that neighborhood. You know, maybe somebody will pop up out of there. We know what it is, and we just move it out quick mm. because it's very, vol- you know, it's very quick. The stuff is moving quick or, you know, very. very yeah, some fast. of these, um, yeah. I was looking at days on markets and some of these like, um, was it uh, Livonia, seven days on market? Yeah. Wow. Seven days. That's the shortest I've seen yet. Wow. So that's just, that's just nuts. Um, and then other markets, I was looking at, at St. Clair Shores where it was, um, 24 days on market. And that, that's interesting to me because, you know, it seems like the houses are nicer over in St. Clair Shore. What the hell do I know? Right. So, well, you know, the over when you talk about Livonia, Livonia and Redford, people that live over there know that Redford is Redford and Livonia is the uptick, right? Yeah. So if you find a brick house in Livonia as opposed to a brick one in Redford, you got something. Mm. You absolutely do. And if it's dated, those are deals. Yeah. yeah. What do you guys um what are you guys doing differently for marketing right now? Maybe you're not doing anything different. What's everybody working on? Don't give away the obviously all the all the secrets or anything like that, but um what's everybody currently working on for, for marketing? I know a bunch of you guys do a lot of direct mail, but what else? Well, Mike and I are doing a lot of direct mail. That's really our primary mode. Um we're we're doing a decent amount of pay per click which is is actually doing pretty well for us. And we also put up signage from time to time. Um, makes us everyone's, everyone's best buddy in the, in the, in the cities. Um, we, we always get it permits and we always ask permission. Always, always, always. You have to. Yeah. Um, so we're doing that. Uh, those are really our three main, main ways of, of getting deals. Honestly, direct marketing being far and away uh, what we're doing most aggressively. Man, the Google pay per click. Um, how are you guys making that? How are you guys making that work? Or what, what's the play on that? Um, so we have the great and powerful Oz that stands behind a curtain and does it for us. <laughs> L- quite literally, I pay a guy who specializes in real estate pay per click. He does it across the country for a lot of real estate 
uh, investors, and he's built his model and his business around specifically tailoring his business to real estate. So he does ours for us, and he asked me uh, right in the beginning, "Do you want? Do you want me to show you what I'm doing? Can I can I teach you how to do this so you could do it?" I said, "I don't even want to know. Like I really, (laughs) this sounds terrible, but I I really don't even want to know. If I accidentally learn something, I'm going to try to forget it. So you do it." (laughs) You do it. You do a great job. We'll pay you to do it, and that's how we kind of how we run it. So honestly, I can't give you any intelligent answers. That's good. It was like you just you take a bag of cash. Yes. All right. That's that's all I want. Now give me some leads, right? Exactly. Yep. Are you targeting sellers or we're targeting sellers? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. I just wonder if it was like one of those um, Facebook pixel things where you're doing like retargeting back to uh, yeah facebook's the next frontier for us we're gonna because it's the next frontier because it's my guy's next frontier <laughs> and he asked if we wanted to pilot something so i said yeah definitely let us know when you're ready so yeah. that'll be the next thing but right now we're targeting uh sellers with pay-per-click ron you working on doing anything different or interesting well, marketing I guess our direct mail is more specifically to pro-based and the into the you know the landlords or whatever and it works very well we're not we're certainly not spending as much money as a lot of them but it works. It keeps us busy. I mean, Jesse and I both have other things to do too, you know, that we do that, you know, feeds what we're doing. So I've managed to pick up more rentals lately, I guess, than actually doing wholesale deals, it seems. But, you know, it's for your personal portfolio or? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm okay. trying to amass a bunch of them and get a loan, kind of cash it all out and be done with it, you know, just have a kind of a nest egg. So I started doing that. It's been working. Yeah. It's been, you know, I kind of got a bunch of them all at once. You know, and then it's kind of adding to them. And it's kind of like the wholesale thing. You know, I, I got this house in Pontiac I just bought. And every time I drive by it, I, like, love this house. <laughs> it's like, so every time I go there, I go, I'm going to keep it. Oh, no, I'm going to sell it. Oh, no, I'm, I'm going to keep, keep it. it. No, no, I'm going to. And I just did 500 bucks for the repairs. And this tenant who has been in there for, like, five years is happy as a lark. So I'm thinking, you know, for 500 bucks, and I paid, you know, I paid 30% on the dollar from this guy because he was tired. I'm thinking, oh, I'm just going to keep this house. And. We sell it later. Well, you'll, yeah, you can stabilize it, but then it adds it to that bunch. So there's some equity because some of them leverage pretty good. But if I got three or four of them that are free and clear, you just pile it together to get the money back out, right? So, um, but I mean, more to answer to your question is we're more more specific than broad, you know. Um, Sniper, not a yeah, shotgun. Yeah, and of course, yeah. then a lot of people know that I've got other lead sources, like you know, that send me the same type of leads. So I've you know created that model in a way around town, and it's been working very well. So I've got one major source, and then a couple of ancillary ones, um, and it's been working. You know, one's not feeding me, one's the other, and it's kind of interesting. We can like I can for me, I can play off of both of what's going on to see what the market's really doing. Is it us or is it the market? And when and when I'm not getting calls from either way, then I know it's the market mm. or whatever's happening. But if I'm getting a bunch from one and not the other, then I know it's our stuff or the marketing piece, what's going out. So, um, but uh, I know you, Steve, has been working on some Facebook stuff. You know how I know? Because every time I fucking get on Facebook, it's right there. Steve. You're looking to sell your house. What, what you been working on, man? Yeah, Facebook ads. I'm really trying to, I'm doing it all myself on that angle. Um, it's a learning process. I'm kind of figuring out as I go. Not my favorite strategy, but. It works and it's the cheapest strategy, so that's why I like it the best right now. Did you get that uh, raccoon piss house from? Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you haven't, yeah. t- have you seen that video? <laughs> raccoon <laughs> piss house. Oh that's a God. great video. That was yeah. a great house. <laughs> it was terrible. Yeah, 
We had to open oh, all the windows and the yeah. doors. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> it's when you go home and you still smell like it. Yeah. yeah. It was bad. I had to break yeah. into it yeah. to get into it. You did. And then yeah. the, the, didn't the seller try and back out on that deal? And you had the strong armor yeah. back in. A neighbor yeah. like tried to shoehorn it. And, I had to track down a lien holder on Facebook <laughs> that ended up being in Israel to get a release sign from someone locally in like Livonia. It was a crazy deal. But yeah, that was a Facebook lead. Yeah. Uh, most of my Facebook stuff has been averaging about 8,000 a deal too. So it's like double what my normal overall average was. When you say so, 8,000 a deal, what does that mean? 8,000 that I'm netting, 8,000 net wholesale. Per deal? Per deal, yeah. Okay. So, and they were almost all, I only did a handful of them, but there was like one that was like 7,900, one was 8,200. So it was like consistently around eight grand. When my normal is around four. So when you average it all out, I think last year it was a little higher. It was like almost five. So I do a lot of the small Detroit stuff that ended up being a grand here, three grand there. And then you'd get a 30. Like, yay, I'm rich. And then, (laughs) wait a minute, a grand. So a lot of that for me. But um, Facebook has been one. I looked at, I try to look at the leads. Uh, the weird thing about Facebook, the lead generation that I'm doing, you have to physically go on there and download the leads. So I try to do it every morning and every evening, check to see if there's more. And it's not a way to automate it really. So not this way that I'm doing it. You can drive traffic from Facebook to your website to make them fill that form out, which that's just a different campaign. The one I'm doing right now is a lead gen. So that they stay in Facebook and fill out their info. And yesterday, between yesterday and today, I had six leads. Mm. Okay. Like, what the hell? Awesome. I've been checking every day. There's nothing, nothing. And then a couple of days go by. I didn't check yesterday. And then I checked today and there was six. I'm like, oh, shit. So I called them all. One negative is there are more tire kickers. So it's not, but it's kind of like Google AdWords too. You know, uh, you know there's more targeted though because you get certain keywords. So I'm really still in the early stages of developing this campaign and refining it to get it targeting the right people. Right now, it's just targeting anybody on Facebook that lives in these areas that I want to invest in, which is for Facebook, it's everywhere but Detroit. Yeah. Specifically yeah. excluded Detroit. <laughs> Not Same sorry, Detroit. Yeah. I specifically exclude Detroit. Yeah. But I get Detroit leads every day just from my organic website. I mean, daily. So yeah. direct I- mail-wise, I'm still doing absentee owners vacant houses and that's a little bit of probate i'm still dabbling in but i don't do it enough there's too many rons and jesse's and dennis's and tommy's and everybody hitting probate so i tend not to mail to it but so i have a question i guess a little bit myself um especially ron and steven mentioned it with the probate stuff we don't do a ton of that either it seems like it's hyper competitive how do you win a deal versus just printing up the best number well, that's know, a good question. A lot of those probate, they still have realtors marketing to them too because they're looking mm-hmm. for listings, right? So what I find when I – because I can go in and, and use the tool both ways, right? I go in because they usually call me because I'm going in low because they've already kind of – they've already got friends who are realtors or at least a referral from a friend. So when I walk in, I'm the big bad cash guy. Yeah. And then when I try to flip that and when I realize that they ain't taking that number, I try to flip that. They don't like that. Or they don't, their perception is they can't switch that around to me because they think I'm just a cash person. 
Right. So now you're telling me now you market houses too? Well, yeah, that's what we do. So, but it, it's difficult to do. So like I was telling, you know, your partner here, I found more cars in houses recently and made more money off the cars than the flip. It's just like, it, it's really just strange. Cause what I'll do is I'll go out to the garage, say, Hey, let's go out and look at the slab, right? Cause the slab's invariably cracked. Yeah. So I want to make sure it is or it isn't. And then I see a nice car sitting in there. I said, you got the car for sale too? Oh yeah. Because they're not thinking about you. About the car. But I mean, more to your question is it is competitive, but it's more can you close or can't you close? Yep. Because it's harder when you're dealing with the landlords and stuff like that. It's not as difficult to get inside them to wholesale it. When you're dealing with a family, they don't want to let you in and they certainly ain't going to give you a key. (laughs) So it's so setting up those appointments is very difficult. You know, so that's a good point. So one, I'm sorry, I'm kind of ahead, Jamie's yeah. job a little bit here. No, go for <laughs> it. Not, not your job, but I'm just kind of curious myself. But so you had said the thing about the agents, and this is something when I was in sales, and we have some people helping us with that now. But it's always kind of us versus the agents mentality, and mm-hmm. and we've actually created some partnerships where we refer stuff out to agents that we feel are good for the right fits. How do you go? I can kind of tell you a little bit what we do, but any agent can show up to someone's house and tell them their house is worth a million dollars doesn't mean it's worth anything. I can list your house for a million dollars. It doesn't take any skin off of my back. And that's kind of how I pitch it when I was in those sales meetings. But how do you overcome that too? And like, like good agencies, like, you know, yeah, right here, um, Jeremy is doing some of our referral leads. Joe Daly is doing some of our referral leads. We have some other partners that we work with, but essentially how do we kind of flip that script and also keep that avenue open if we want to refer, because we're not always the best option. That's one of the things I always say when I first start. You know, we're not the best option all the time. Well, on the probate awesome. side, because of how they're perceiving you before you get there is important. The marketing that we send to them is we're, I hate to say it, cradle to grave kind of stuff, right? We can do anything. Oh, okay. If you call me ahead of time, I can set up your estate sale if you like. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I'll take all your stuff too, yeah. because I'll just do the estate sale after you're gone. Yeah. So I remove easy, all easy. your hassle, right? Yeah. Or then, of course like I was again telling Mike earlier was about the, the the embarrassment factor because they show up all of a sudden the neighbors know that they haven't been around for years. Now they're showing up to collect the cash. They just want it out. They just want to be done. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's especially if the house is nasty, mm-hmm. you know, I walked into a Royal Oak one yesterday, the guy had torn all the carpet out. I mean, I could smell the cat stuff out in the yard when I was walking <laughs> up to the door. And of course they had all the windows open and the doors and the fans going when I walk in. Right. So I'm the, uh, that was just a class. That was a classic sign. Didn't right? work. No. <laughs> so when I say, Hey, uh, because when he called me, he was telling me how nice the house was. Um, well, no, well, it looks like you had a couple of animals in here, sir. <laughs> but my point is, that's what they don't want, right? They don't want even want, if you, even if you listed, they don't want the signs. You know, to me, a sign is worthless anyway. In a lot of ways, all it does is draw the yeah, neighbors in to look, get the lockbox code. So, I mean, I guess more to answer your question is, it, it's difficult to do that. So the perception going in is key to that flip side. I mean, it turn it around. Now, I think what you guys are doing with Joe and some of the others to flip that, because of the other marketing you're doing, I think that's a great idea, you know, because you got both things coming at you, right? If you got the the Google stuff, you can list it, you know, because the price is the key, right? I refer a lot of those. That ends up being referrals to Joe. And actually, your agent, and I, I tell this to sellers all the time, your agent makes a huge difference of if you sell your house or not. If your agent is terrible... Case in yeah. point, Close. Royal Oak. The agent on this house had it listed for one price and lowered it fifteen grand. Was getting a lot of showings but no offers. 
He didn't even know enough to look at the house and tell them, you just need to do a couple things cleanup wise. Take care of all the shit laying around outside your house to protect the wires from the puppies. You know, none of it would have cost any money, just some cleanup. And they would literally 40% discount just because I said I made the offer. So this agent, if it was Joe Delia, that house would have sold yeah. for more than what it was listed for. So I, or Jeremy Burgess. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I tell, I tell, um, all of the sellers that I talk to now, I have, if, you know, if it goes down that path, if I sense that they're not going to accept a lower cash offer, they want like retail or retail plus, I tell them I can refer you to an agent. I always say I'm an agent. I don't do the listing thing. I just use it for my investing business. But if you really want to sell your house and get the most money, I can refer you to someone and I refer them to the dealer group. I'm going to do a shameless plug real quick. Right. All right, guys. So if you're a wholesaler right now and you got some leads, you can't work. You're going to have to be licensed though. Right. I can't be cutting you checks or anything like that. Cause I have, I'm with KW, all that stuff. You know, I can't do that shit anymore. Right. But if you're licensed or somebody in your family's licensed, I can cut somebody a check legally. Send me your leads that you can't close on, and I will work them. I'll be accountable for them, and I want to try and list them and sell them, and I'll give you 20% of that. Now, I know that ain't shit, but it adds up, and it's better than nothing, and it might pay for some postcard campaigns over the years, you know? To piggyback what Jeremy said, if you're already spending the time on the lead, why not try and monetize it in any exactly. way possible? Even if it's a you know $50, go take your wife out to dinner. Yep. It does all add up, and that would help keep the podcast going, too. Sorry, right. Shameless plug over. Thank you. Well, to follow up a little bit on what Steve was saying, sometimes you can perceive where they're at. <clears throat> so I always say, you know, when, they, when you already know they're kind of leaning toward the listing, is you ask them, so what did the realtor tell you to list it for? Mm-hmm. And then they tell you, right? Because they always want to tell you that. They never want to tell you what they want. Yeah. So if in my mind, I say I just take 10% right off of that because that's the cost to sell it, right? If I'm anywhere close to that, I'm going after that. If they say it's worth two hundred and I'm at one seventy, you know, ten percent is twenty off. That's negotiation. Yeah. So you just kinda so then you can then the way you the way I usually do is you write it down to show them, oh by the way, you got no hassle, you're gonna make ten grand less. Come on. I like it. So, so exactly what Ron said, he it's a trick I learned when I first started, he showed me is pull your phone out. Don't be afraid to show yeah. a number sometimes. Mm-hmm. You put the calculator right in front of their face and say, Hey, how does this math look at you? <laughs> well, I know, Ron, you do the whole, like, this is what it's worth. Yeah. My big iPhone 6 Plus. Yeah. 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 Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> is this what you would consider? Yeah. Just, just like that. Just like that. And that nice, sultry voice. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and folks, every, time. every one of these people have been on the podcast before and should go back and, and listen to. So, because I, I got a lot of my tips from how to close these deals and all that so it sounds abbreviated but i want to beat it to death because it's already been recorded just go back and listen to the other 28 million hours of podcasts and you will get it so um state of the market i want to throw that out there because i i get these questions all the time and i just say i don't fucking know man i can't figure this shit out right i literally don't know it's, it's not the same as it was before i know that it is somewhat different but I last three RDI meetings, all I've got is, are we in a bubble? Are we going up? Are we in a bubble? So let's just uh, put this to sleep right well, now. I, I actually, this is one of the questions that I like when people ask me because they know I'm in real estate. People who don't know me real well know I'm in real estate, and they assume I'm a realtor, and they say, how's, how's the market? You know, it, My answer as a real estate investor is, 
who who cares, right? I mean, well, I'm on your podcast. Who gives a shit? It doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter what the Thank market you. is because here's the deal. If there's a 20,000 spread on a deal right now, that's what I can make, 20,000. When the market tanks, I get it cheaper and I sell it cheaper. But the margin really doesn't change for in my opinion, in my experience. When the market goes up, you have to spend more to get that deal but it's worth more on the back end, right? So to me, it's just this this spread that just slides up and down to follow the market, right? With us, for wholesaling, we don't hold on to properties very long. So honestly, things would have to tank in a 30-day period for it to even come close to affecting us. So, you know, the long-term trends like, hey, I think six months from now, you know, these houses aren't going to be worth as much, they're going to be worth more. It really doesn't affect us. And we've told the people that work for us in an acquisition standpoint, we hired a guy and, and his thing was he liked to study the market trends. What's it what what are the parks that are going up nearby? What are the school systems gonna be in five years? And what are the developments that they're talking about breaking ground on it? We're like Dude, don't worry about any of that. Mm. We're going to buy it and sell it within two to four weeks. What is it worth right this second? And that's what it's going to be worth most likely in two weeks. So we don't. I don't really get caught up in, in the market and what's happening up and down. Per, we don't, personally. It's just too, the transactions are coming in and going too fast for us to, to really worry. So it's always a good market is my answer. Right? People ask me, how's the market? It's awesome. How was yeah. it last year? It's awesome. Great. It's gonna be great next year too. Because yeah. I'm gonna buy them dirt cheap if the market crashes, and I'll and I'll still sell them. So, so stop your crying, pussies. I like what you said though, right there. Um, costs more to get, meaning you have to spend more on marketing, right? But then you get more on the back end when you sell, right? If we're buying a house right now in a, in a certain city for thirty thousand dollars, and we're wholesaling it for forty thousand dollars. If the market tanks, I'll buy it for twenty and sell it for thirty. If it goes up, I'll buy it for forty and sell it for yep. fifty. That to me, that's really how it works in my experience. I mean, you guys might have different experiences, but um, I don't worry about the markets. I really don't going up and down. It's just fine. It is what it is. I, I actually would rather they go down for me, me personally, yeah. selfishly, because we can buy more and and I think we're still going to make our profit. Because um, you get more newbies in the market, frankly, when it crashes. So. You know, for us, we're going to get people that, you know, we're going to have more buyers, I guess, is the way to look at it. So I kind of disagree with some of that. I think you see more newbies when the market starts heating up. I've seen that where there's way more people, way more people at the RIA meetings than at these free seminars and stuff that I've seen over the last probably. It's counterintuitive, though, a little bit, right? I, I, I see your point, and I don't disagree with you. When the market heats up, everyone jumps in. But really, from an investor standpoint, it's kind of the wrong time. It's like, oh, for sure. It's like when the stock market's going crazy. That's not really when you start buying, right? You've already missed your opportunity. That's yeah. when people are selling at that point. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. But um, I know I got in when everything crashed, and I was yeah. lucky. I couldn't have afforded to get in three years earlier or probably three years afterwards. So, yeah, it's a good point. The, the newbies do come in when it gets hot. It's true, which is great. It's all great, right? It's all, for all of us at this table, that's awesome. Because yeah. let them come in when it's hot because we just bought six months or a year earlier. So, right. so to kind of go on Mike's point, too, is just because someone's a newbie doesn't mean they're going to pull the trigger. You sure. sell courses all day, every day for years on people that will never actually buy a home. Mm-hmm. So just because the real meetings are full doesn't mean they're actually investors. I mean, I could put an investor in a card and anybody, you know, Coming down the street and Rollo can be yeah. an investor now. Problem is they're all mailing postcards and letters and you know sat, oversaturating the lists, the easy lists, right? The absentee owners, the I love my that. bread and butter because they mail once and then you mail three more times and they thought that card was yours. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I get that a lot. Yeah, I do get I get way more people that say 
your postcard stood out. Your I loved your postcard. It was like there's a lot more of that. And you have been mailing me these freaking postcards for like six years. Will yeah. you just buy my house already? Get off my back. I'm like, you? yes, I will. Yeah, if you're yes, new I and will. you're listening, that's the biggest mistake people make is uh, when you buy a list. And I, I did it. I did it. I was stupid. You know, you buy a list and you send, you mail them once or twice. It's like, okay, that list is done. I need to get a new list. Oh, no. Yeah, people- you need to. Market that list forever. I've I've suggested to people, friends of mine in the industry, why don't you just market for your own properties? Why don't you just send the the, the, the cards out yourself? And the, usually they'll say, I, I tried it, it didn't work. And I go, Well, what did you do? Well, I bought a list and sent out a thousand mailers. Good. What happened? I didn't get any calls. I didn't get any deals. Great. What'd you do the next month? Nothing. It didn't work. Okay. Well, yeah. That's why it didn't work. That's why. <laughs> Congratulations. You just threw a thousand dollars out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and not to try and scare anyone off, but. The mailing is the easy part. It's the taking the calls, yep. calling them back quickly, answering their phone calls, calling them, talk to them, discussing them, what their problem is, why they're trying to sell, understand their motivation, going on that appointment, getting them to like you enough to want to sell it to you at a discount, then actually performing on it. So there's a lot of process in the middle, and that's why all of us are here because we are good at that finding the deal stage and then platooning that over to somebody else that's better at closing the deal maybe and doing the renovations and reselling to a homeowner. We like to be the middleman on this one because we don't have to do all of that work. But we're really good at finding deals, negotiating those deals, and then getting a good contract that we can sell to somebody else. Well, I also, there's a huge difference. Um, I don't know what your guys' response rate is, but the first three mailings, like 1% to 3% response rate, and then somewhere between 4 and 8 it almost doubles. So... You know, just take it's like push ups or something or like running. You gotta you gotta do a little bit of it first and it like builds up and all of a sudden you're fucking badass and your phone starts melting, right? If you're just gonna do one and done, it's um it's not gonna work. What do you think, Ron? Well some of those guys will teach you that, you know, you send them a postcard till they call you and tell you they're gonna kill you. Right? <laughs> yeah. Because of why wouldn't you? Yep. Someone threatened to cut our heads off once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Was that over the phone or by email? Uh, voicemail. Voicemail. <laughs> yeah. Dennis and I mailed to the same probate with the lady's uh son got killed and he had a house. He got killed like in a like murdered or something. And I was telling Dennis' story. This lady calls me and she's like yelling at me, you blah, 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 blah. So I realized how to how to how to record a Google voice number. Ah. <laughs> so the, the third time she calls me, I hit that number four. Bing. You are now being recorded. Click. Oh, she hung up. She called me like four times in a row. So then I was telling this story to Dennis like a couple days later. Yeah, that lady called me back too. <laughs> but my point being is you gotta just get them mad at you, right? I don't tend to do that. But I think that that's the way you do it if you're just that full-blown marketer, um, which I why I, we tend to be more specific and targeted to that guy that's most likely going to sell as opposed to that, you know, that landlord. Although one of my best end buyers is a landlord that I got off an absentee list a year ago. He's bought like five Redford houses from me. Damn. Yeah. So that's sometimes do it, it works, right? Yeah. That's the one. <laughs> so. Dude, I, I love that. Do stuff and keep doing stuff. Uh, what, do you have any thoughts on the market, Ron? Because you've been in this longer than anybody well, else. So. I agree with Mike in regards to what we do as you know, generally as wholesalers. But I think on the retail side, I think the market is as hot as it's been. And I've been through the up cycle in the beginning of the 2000s. I've been through the bottom. And now as I see it rising, I'm better at understanding that trend so that I can see the future. And the reason I or not see the future but understand what could happen and you're not just like throwing it at the wall and hoping. Because, I mean, the classic example is this house in Warren that I paid 20000 more than I should have. I tried to wholetail it, 
pulled it off. Couldn't, didn't work. I pulled it off. I went and rehabbed it, spent 35 grand on the rehab and then marketed it enough to get my money back. Cause I knew it was too much. And I got like three offers at this number that there isn't a house in a, within three miles of this house. <laughs> that's worth that. I got a VA buyer. It appraised. What? So, so then I'm thinking, yes. But at the end of the day, that VA buyer fell off because of his own financing, his finances, not the financing. So I put it back on the market at the same price, got two more offers, took another, uh, it was a, uh, FHA deal. And I, so I took the appraisal because the, the agent's like beating me up over the appraisal. Well, I got an off, I got an appraisal at this. It'll never sell for that. Well, okay. Because so, when this guy's banking on the fact that that appraisal was bad. So the appraiser goes to the house. I lay that VA appraisal that's like three months old on the table. I circle it. Comes back in 2000 less than that appraisal. Wow. That realtor called me up and he was like, he had his tail between his legs. Because his buyer was banking on the fact that he was going to negotiate me down. Oops. So. We yeah. So now, so what I, when the, the key to that is right now, I got appraisers calling me looking at that comp going, Ron, did you really sell it for that much? Because they're looking at all the solds around it and they can't hit that number. I said, well, you know what? I'm going to mail that neighborhood and buy some more. <laughs> yeah. You want to help me? You just set the, got any money? <laughs> you set the high water mark, right? That's right. That's, I mean, that's how it works, right? That's how the market. Where's so your my, thank you cards, right? Look so, what you did for that yeah, neighborhood. So my point is, is that's how you do it. That's how it works. Because at least that comp's good for six months. If nothing sells for that in six months, then of course that was an anomaly, right? They they can see that. But I think, like I said, I think I just market to the whole neighborhood and build three or four more of them to build that number, so that the market, you know, it becomes kind of real, I guess, in a sense. You know what I mean? Because what what really happened before was it inflated, right? Everybody's frenzied up, and you know, I mean, to kind of go back to my REO days, I think that the market is inflated or is the the reduction of the inventory is causing the prices to rise, and that's a fictitious thing happening. It's not real because the banks are holding back. They've helped so many people. Those things are just going out other ways, not through the MLS. So I think that that's why when you look in a neighborhood, there is nothing that's sold that looks like that prettied up house that I just spent thirty five on. Not a one on the block anywhere. What do you think they're doing with them, or how they brimming them? Well, I think a lot of people are selling them as is because if you look at the ones that were in the 150s, the, the appraisal came in at 165.5 on the second one. There wasn't anything in there for over 150, not a one. But all of them were average, where mine had hardwood kitchen, you know, everything. I even put the appliances and everything. But I just, I think that, I mean, the answer to your question is I think that you can do that as long as there isn't anything for sale. Ah, it hasn't sold. Right? Okay. Yeah. Because then you're setting that bar. That's a good point. That's a good yeah. distinction to make. If, if you've been listening, better pay attention to that part. You yeah. Because I mean, that's shit. what I did. I looked at it and said, I can push this and I'm going to try and, you know, put it on the MLS. And sure enough. Do you have a backup strategy in case a uh, shit hit the fan on that, right? And yeah, it didn't work? Probably, well, luckily, my partner was, you know, one of my partners had the hard money loan. I could probably stretch it out for a while. Yeah. <laughs> I, I even asked my wife on that one too because if, when it fell out to VA wise, I said, "You want to move there?" Because <laughs> it's a nice house. Yeah. I could probably find somebody to cash everybody out and get in there. Because yeah. <laughs> the forty k in the rehab was out of my pocket anyway, yeah. so I was I only had to come up with you know eighty percent of the deal. But my wife says, "No, I don't want to live there." Okay, then I guess we'll just do what we got to do. So, yeah. uh, do you have a question, Mike? Or 
Yeah, I guess my question, obviously not being nearly as experienced as you are in this, you know, total trends and cycles, is this like 2004, never going to end, and then goes up another two years before the big crash, or are we kind of getting to the peak? Well, I think that guys like us are, are smart, right? So we know what happened. It's fresh enough. So like you got in at the bottom or at the at the like at the the up of the down, right? It was almost there when you jumped in. Yeah. Where I was in, I was in way back in two thousand when things were kind of steady, and then like that because we're selling junk houses in Detroit for fifty grand. <laughs> yeah, come on, you can't even sell the prettied up ones for fifty now. Yeah, yeah I got gorilla fucked in two thousand seven, so yeah. I'm on the other side of that. Yeah, so <laughs> it was not being nice. on both sides of that deal, I can see that. Okay. You know, here's what I think is happening. But then, of course, I think the driven up values are the reason for it's different. Because in 2003 and four, when it started cranking, it wasn't about the banks holding property back. It's crazy, one. right? There, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't manipulated in that way. Yeah. So I'm just curious. Uh, yeah, just I'm just curious. Uh, things change, and I know it's a change too. There does appear to be more demand. Than there was like re- like real demand. Uh, these we see it at the Delia Group. There's a lot of twenty percent down. We've even seen some thirty percent down. There's ten percent down. Yeah, there's a fair amount of FHA at three and a half percent. But there hasn't been any of this stated shit or any you know five twenty credit score or like deals die all the time because of credit scores. Deals die all the time because somebody goes out and buys a car. It just it's a little different, but at the same time, when you look at Ferndale, well, Royal there's Oak, a lot of pent up cash, yeah, because of the, the no, not loaning. You know, the, the banks are hard at lending. Yeah, okay. So, so it's just a lot of pent up cash out there. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Where, where do you think they just been holding on to it, or well, yeah. they, because they they've obviously fixed a lot of these people fixed their financial problem, right? And they couldn't get money or loans, so of course they're scared from whatever they got hurt from before. They've been yeah. hoarding their cash, and now they have a bunch of it, and they want a house. Okay, yeah. I, that's a, that's a good point. A little bit of fear, and now that things have subsided, I remember right. Like it seems pretty clear to yeah, me. Yeah. It was burned in my. Mind. I'm still making payments, you know. So <laughs> it's it's pretty clear in my head. Um. So let's talk some creative deals here, guys. I want to talk creative deals. People, that's one of the, uh, the feedback I get when I go to the RDI meetings is people love when we talk about deals. I don't think we have to give addresses, but P- I, people don't see like, like Steve seller finance deal. Nobody's going to sell a house. You can't wholesale a house with seller finance. Boom. And he, he ran into a seller that that was the only way he was going to do it, right? He insisted on seller financing. He it, wouldn't sell it for cash. Yeah. Just ask him. He's got some relatives. Right? <laughs> he's got 11 more houses. So. I'll- yeah, probably gonna call me while we're in here. So, uh, who's got some um, creative deals they want to talk about? It doesn't have to be that creative, but I mean, there's one that I've been working for a few months now. I'm buying it personally uh, at the end of the month. It's a three unit in Warren. It's own multi use slash commercial. I forgot exactly what the designation is, but essentially, I'm buying it for ninety grand on ten years straight payments, zero interest. Damn. Uh, can be converted. There's a like a mother-in-law suite in the back that I can throw into a, a one-bedroom apartment slash unit that I'm probably converted into myself. So that was just basically working with them. They wanted the highest dollar mm-hmm. possible, which in theory with the you know time value of money, this wasn't it, but they wanted to see that ninety thousand dollars on the price tag. And they were willing to take payments for it. And it's an 
older lady, her family's on board. And if she should have something bad happen in the next 10 years, it's going to pass on to her family and then they're going to get continued payments. Yeah. How did you, um, how did you negotiate that? So essentially I came in originally and gave them an offer that fitted the area for the type of property as a single family home, but there's no real great comparisons to that. So using as a multifamily unit, you know, three to four rental incomes, it can be valued differently in terms of, you know, just straight on return investment. So you're not going to ever sell it typically to a homeowner. So basically I told them what it could go for as a single family and you'd have to technically convert it back to a single family because there's a kitchen upstairs, kitchen downstairs, a bedroom above the garage. So there'd be a lot of changes that had to be made to make it that way. And it wasn't there in terms of value. So I made that offer. They didn't like it at all. (laughs) Understandably so, but you know, I kind of talked about some different options that we could do. There was a partial money down that I was thinking about doing, and they just wanted to see the biggest dollar tag. So I basically gave them three different offers. Here's the cash offer. Here's the some money down. Here's the no money down. And you tell me what works best. And they decided that was the best one for them. Hey, what do they call that? The three part? Was there a name ABC for that? Offer. ABC offer. Yeah, yeah. I like. I haven't done that in a long time. Yeah, those are great. I yeah. love those. I do those with seller finances, too, because I want them to see that super low cash offer that I know they're not going to take. I, they want the highest price. They want to see that. They're just fixated on this dollar amount. Um, the one I have right now is a house. It's actually like a manufactured house affixed to land, but it's on eight acres way up where I'm at, even north of me, even a little bit. He's stuck on 180 grand. He paid 135 or something in, I want to say, uh, 2000, 99, something like that. And he put over 100 grand into it. So, I mean, he built a pond, this pole barn, resided, shingle, I mean, all kinds of shit. Yeah, Crimea River, dude. I, I don't care, yeah. But he wants 180 grand. I'm like, well, I, if I bought this cash, I probably couldn't even get over 100. I mean, I'm like 75, 80. Look at the comps, 130, 140. Well, I really got to get 180. All right. If you want, I'll show you how I can pay that. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a minute. Great. <laughs> I'll give you $500 a month for 15 years and then a balloon payment of 90 grand in 15 years. Okay. Oh, Damn. All right, cool. Just like that, huh? Love those words. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I got to go find, I got to help them find their new house. I've already got them working on their loan process for that. And yeah, they're moving across the state and. So you think so, that was just like a psychological thing for them or they can tell their neighbors, yeah, you know, I got hit a little bit, but I got 180 on the way out or just, something like that. He mentioned every single time I talked to him, he he mentioned the price 180 grand. Mm. I don't know where it came from or why I told him there's, if you listed that right now, you may get that in three or four years if it was listed the entire time. Like you probably won't sell it forever. Mm. You need to be in the 130, 140 range, maybe at the most. And, um, I said, if I buy it, so I still don't have a contract yet, but I said, if I buy it, I want you to leave all the beekeeping equipment, all the bee, you know, suits and all the hive and all that stuff. Leave all the stuff that you said you were going to leave. He's got like a blacksmith smelter. I'm telling you, this is like your dream home, Jeremy. If it was I just need 50,000 acres. Yeah, Wait, just 50, need, 000, it then? gets bigger. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. That's what she said. So, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, it's, it's, there's a deal to be had with the right seller if you just, know how to structure structure the terms. I mean, you can really do whatever you want. That's one of the things I say to sellers all the time. We can do whatever we want. If you're happy with it and I'm happy with it, we can find a way to make it work. So if you need this much money, I can show you how I can pay that much. 
And if you tell me that doesn't work, I'll tell you, oh, well, okay, well, then this is what I could do. So it's just a lot of back and forth, and you need to really have conversations with the sellers and understand what their needs are so that you can meet them. They're not always going to tell you what that is. You have to pull that out of them yeah. or listen for keywords so that you can then respond to them with an appropriate offer. The easy ones are the laydowns are the ones that are, I, I got to sell this house now and just give me, give me a price, give me a cash price and it makes sense and you do it. The ones that are challenging, the ones that are sustain, make a sustainable business are the follow-ups and the ones that you need to really work to make them a deal. Um, I don't know. Anybody can do the laydowns. Anybody with a couple bucks to spend on marketing can do the laydowns. I feel like you need to be creative and uh, a real investor to do some of these strange deal like this crazy jeff deal and seller finance land contracts and all the other stuff so yeah well i find that the biggest obstacle you run into with the seller financing is when they have financing in place already yeah if you give if they take back the financing they can't go get a loan themselves because they got the one still there so the way that i overcame that with the an ann arbor house i have right now was it was she called me a year ago i kind of went through the seller financing with her because she wanted too much and then she calls me back. She rented it. She calls me back again. Okay, Ron, my renter's moving out. They don't want to buy the house. They were going to buy it. And I'm wondering if you're still interested. I said, well, okay. But the price is going to be X. And I'm going to leave out the numbers just because it's on the market. Yeah, no, but, for sure. But uh, the way that I got her was she had a loan amount that was substantially less than what it was worth. She was willing to walk away from all of that equity because it was a hassle. House is here. She's in Pennsylvania. So I said, she said, well, I don't, Ron, I don't want you to hang on to it for 10 years. I said, well, how about we do this? You've had it at this number for a while. You had a bunch of activity that was listed. She was having trouble with the realtor. So I said, so let's do, I know right now, if you got a bunch of activity at this number, I can come in here and sell it for this on my side, but this is what I'm going to give you. I said, the way that we mitigate your problem is do it. Let's do a short-term line contract. So now I take away your pain. I give you a down payment and that's all of the money you're ever going to get is what I give you at. at Ooh, I like closing. that. That's all the money you're ever going to get. Right. So yeah. at the end of the day, when I make your mortgage payment, I'm getting the benefit of the buy down, which includes the taxes and insurance. And then I sell it for whatever I can get. So at the end of the day, I just simply pay off your mortgage. You're just a regular link. You're just a regular vendee at the table. You sign a deed from you to me and I sign a deed from me to the end buyer. Hmm. That's it. So I need 90 days to do that. Would you do that? Oh, okay. Okay. Only 90 okay. days? Well, I figured, you know what? Because I, I was trying to entice her. Ah, okay. And there was such a spread in her. I was thought, she's not going to take this. And she did. It was like one of those, like, okay, now I got to do it. You yeah. know? So I went and got the down payment she wanted. I borrowed it. Got a guy in. We borrowed it. And uh, the tenant was in there. The tenant stayed for an extra 15 days. Passed when I closed with her. I collected half a month's rent. And at the closing, because the half, you know, the down came out to the security deposit and all that stuff. So my, my nut getting in was less, right? So right now, of course, I listed it. It's been a difficult, it's been a challenging house because it's a manufactured house in Ann Arbor and it's in a, on a cul-de-sac that's full of regular houses. So it had some challenges, which is why she was having trouble. Yeah. So I just, I listed it at the high number and I just, I'm lowering it like 10,000 each time. That just like drives it up, right? You lower something ten grand, yeah, and people just notice that, right? 
So, so today, I, and everybody keeps calling me wanting to do a land contract with me. And I explain, <laughs> well, I can't do that because it's only ninety days. Well, not, not mentioned I have to get out. Right, I can't just get out. And when I was talking to the guy who loaned me the the downs payment, he says, oh, you know, Ron, what happens if we don't get out in ninety days? I said, well, we'll just buy it. He says, well, how are you going to do that? I said, you got the rest of that money? <laughs> he said, yeah. <laughs> so in back of my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I've got my exit for the worst case scenario. Right? That's what I was going to ask. Yep. So, so the realtor, I mean, it just happened today. The realtor calls me today. And, Ron, you know, I know you wouldn't take a land contract. And how would you like to do, how would you like to rent it for my buyer? Because they can't get a mortgage till January, blah, blah, blah. I said, well, you know what? I said, how much money does your buyer have? She, she says, well, I don't know. I said, well, you wanted a land contract to begin with. I said, you know, I would take a heavy down for that. I said, I can probably do that because I can get out of my land contract, take the money, and I get paid today instead of January, right? I like so, that better. Right, exactly. Yeah, so me and, I, and the realtor, I tell, say to the realtor so she can sell it to her buyer, that says, you get paid today too Ooh. because I'm going to pay your commission at, the, at that initial sale, not at the January sale. Yeah, right? I like that. Get paid yeah. today. You know, yeah. so, hot and bothered. I'm waiting for her to call me back. <laughs> <laughs> but I, that just happened. I mean, the land contract thing happened three months or two months ago because July 1st, I bought that house. What does heavy down payment mean? I like that. I'm going to steal that. I got to steal so many lines from you. Heavy down payment. Yeah, I like it. I don't know. I use it. I mean, I'm like Stevie. You don't want like nothing down, right? So yeah. I usually go in like 5% as kind of like the normal number to get them entice it. Mm. Because if you go in at zero and then you're beating them up on the price or the, if you give them the price and zero down and zero percent interest and the payment's low, they just like what? Yeah, no. <laughs> I see so, that face a lot. So when they always go because usually with the only way you entice them is about the price, right? Always get them on the price. You always say, I'm going to give you a price. I'm going to give you a price. And so the heavy down payment to me is like twenty or thirty percent. Yeah, twenty like, percent okay. is too much to make those deals work. Because then you got to go get that money if yeah, you're truly borrowing everything. Not when you're selling it, though. It's yeah. like it's a heavy. So that's like a vague term for heavy that could mean lots of things. So maybe the agent comes with more money. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah I'm going to steal that. 70%. Yeah, yeah that's well, at least half. Doesn't every, 98%. Doesn't every seller you talk to want 20% down on a land contract? Yeah. Their yeah. mindset is so entrenched that they can't even get past yeah. that. Well, what do you mean that you only want to put 5,000 5, down? What do you mean? Well, sir, I'm going to give you more than the house is worth. You yeah. remember, right? So if you yeah. want me to give you more than it's worth, you got to give me some terms. Well, I, you, you want me I to like pay that. way more than it's worth. I, I can't put any money down. Yeah, Steve. <laughs> yeah. Always. Shameless. Yeah, no, I, I've seen Steve's line is, uh, no, I was thinking half that. I was thinking half that. You want to watch seller eyes, jaws drop, all that. And that shit works, by the way. You yeah. ever tried that? It works. I was thinking half that. I'm like shit, that's aggressive. That's and the, the next thing we know, we're signing. Yeah, <laughs> Tommy, I can't remember the question you had written down for me. I'm sorry. You just want to ask it on the mic. You had something. Uh, no, no. Right. all right, go ahead. Sorry. All right, what about you, Mister Simmons? What, what creative shit you've been working on, man? I've been uh, sitting back <clears throat> quietly on purpose. Steve hurt my feelings when oh, he no. said real investors do creative finance. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I work. Uh, I work really hard at not getting into creative headaches. Is what I really think of them. Um, honestly, we really shoot. I mean, you know, our business is set up primarily. We, we are looking for the laydowns, and and our our strategy is we're going to spend more money than God to to, to get <laughs> so many of those. Then we don't have to get overly creative. I, honest to God, I, I was listening to some of these, and they are interesting and pretty impressive. 
But when it starts getting that far down into the weeds, we usually just say, yeah, next or offer them this. And, you know, if it doesn't fit into a wholesale or a wholesale, we really don't spend tons of time on it. I, we like just that. don't. So for us, it's like this. If they'll take the low cash offer, that's a wholesale, right? If they won't quite go for that number, but we can find somewhere in the middle between retail and wholesale, that's our wholesale. If they won't take that, that's when we refer it to an agent. I mean, okay. really, that covers almost 100% of our deals, right? Like that. What? Like Mike said, we, we come across them, and it just like <clears throat> makes nothing but sense to try to make it work, and we'll get creative, but that is such a low percentage. Whoops. That's such a that's low percentage shit. type of deal for us. I mean, it's when I say low, I mean low. It's probably 2%. You know, 1% of what we do is going to get creative beyond wholesale, wholesale, or agent referral. So I guess you're just not a real investor. I was hoping you wouldn't. I was hoping you wouldn't call on me like the kid in class that didn't do their their just project. Just, just give I me just, an E. Keep going. No, I uh, I had to make sure you, you you got some words in this man. <laughs> I um I, I actually that was my exact philosophy for the longest time. Just get the laydowns, spend as much as I can to get them, and it started to get where um I had I just wasn't maximizing enough of the other leads. I didn't have a good referral source before. Joe is the first one that started to really do something with the leads that I would refer. So that was a big part that helped. But um, I only go down the creative route when it's the only other option. I mean, I want to monetize the deal somehow. Um, I actually really like those super creative. I love 0%. Who doesn't love 0% interest? But um, when I first broke into real estate investing, that was what I had learned. So it's always there. It's always one of those things that, well, you can always offer, you know, the Roop special, I call it. So Roop special. Well, actually let's get a quick update from Mike square. That's return. Uh, was it return on investments LLC? Cause since the last time we had you on the podcast, um, you guys have grown a little bit, right? You're like a fucking monster in the Metro Detroit market. Um, what, what's the difference between, I think it's been like six, seven months. Uh, I know you guys have hired a shit ton of employees, more marketing, all that. What, so what, what's the state of the union at Return on Investments LLC? So you're right. We've, we've done some hiring. Um, we, we're in the process. We're kind of in the middle of it right now. We're in the sort of in the in the heat of it, uh, hiring some acquisitions, uh, people, which basically are people are going and talking to the sellers. Um, our marketing has increased. Um we're working with some other investors to try to, you know, they're leveraging our our business model and our, you know, back end machine for for their purposes when they start out. So, you know, it's a it's a win win situation. It's not generosity necessarily on our part. I mean, we we get something out of it too, but you know, essentially they don't have to build the back end. They don't have to have the acquisitions team. They don't need people answering phones. They don't need people coordinating the closings. We have all that, right? So they can funnel a lot of their activity through us and, and everyone sort of wins at the end of the day. Um, that's some of it. We're hiring, like you said, uh, you know, we're, Mike and I are, our philosophy is that we're building the business that we want to be, not necessarily staffing up for the business we are. So what we typically do is we, we hire a few people, we grow, we outgrow our staff or we outgrow our current model. And then we sort of like what we call our mentor calls it break the machine, right? We build a machine that we break it. And then we fix it so that it's a little bit better and faster and leaner. And then when we build to a point, it breaks again, then we, then we fix it again. So we're kind of in that point now where we grew beyond what we had the capacity to do personnel wise. So we're bringing in people now to help us with that. Um, and that's really it, honestly. I mean, there's, there's some more marketing going on for sure. 
Uh, but but our thing is, uh, we, we do try to cast a wide net as opposed to what, what Ron was saying, being very specific and targeted. We're not crazy targeted, but we're trying to cast a big net. And the next thing for us is probably to continue to cast that net, but then, you know, sniper some stuff along the way too and be a little smarter about certain things, look for trends and try to attack them at the same time that our, our machine is still cranking in the background. So that's really what we're doing. It is, it is going well. We are growing and and we're staffing up for, you know, what we want to be next year, basically. Okay. So to be more specific, I guess on the, the more of the day to day stuff, we have two acquisitions people now that go on all the appointments. We try to get them 12 to 15 appointments a week. We are hiring a third one. We've got some interviews tomorrow and Each. some final news on Monday. Um, then, That's a lot of fucking appointments, yeah. man. Yeah. And we, like I said, we send a lot of marketers, mailers. We get a lot of calls come in. We have two phone people that are just switched over to live answer last week. We're still kind of fixing some of the issues that are creeping up because you get a few systems working together and it doesn't always go super smooth, but uh, we feel that moving to live answers can be hopefully more beneficial. Get rid of some of that downtime. Uh, we brought on a person to go full time, basically just running comps all day, every day for every lead that comes in because oh, maybe somebody thinks it's worth a hundred and it's actually worth 200. Then we want to get a salesperson out there and we don't want to miss it because the way we've currently been doing is having our salespeople look into the ARV themselves and They've traditionally so far been so backlogged that they couldn't really do a great job of that and or the follow up. So the acquisition people, by bringing more people on, we're trying to keep them very specific on their role, you know, getting deals, going to appointments, talking to sellers and then following up with those sellers until they tell us to go to hell. Basically, <laughs> uh, we have the closing coordinator. We brought on a project manager who's going to help with the whole tales because like Mike said, we're trying to be the business that we're going to be in five years where him and I aren't doing everything all day, every day, every day, or answering every single question. So we have to bring them on now to build that person to be able to do that and allow us to look at, you know, uh, what's that book? Uh, E-Myth, you know, you, you work on your business, not in your business. So we're trying to make sure we're hiring ourselves out of the business every day if we can. Mm. How do you hire people though? That's some scary uh, shit, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that, that sucks. Um, yeah. So <laughs> we, we turned over five acquisitions people probably in a three week period. Damn. Two people wow. didn't show up on the first day. What? A, a guy had a heart attack. I think. I don't know. I haven't heard from him. <laughs> he said they're coming home, and then I haven't heard from him since. So I don't know if I just scared him away or not. I hope um, he's alive. I, I, maybe. Died. I don't know. I don't want to keep asking because it's weird. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, <it is> <laughs> But I mean, just let it go. The funny thing is, like, the hardest people to fill, theoretically, have been very solid, and we've been able to train them work well. The acquisition people that are going to make the most money are the ones that are hard to keep on board because there is a slight learning curve. But we're looking for salespeople that don't know real estate because I think if people are too entrenched in traditional real estate, it's hard to break that mold. Versus if we bring salespeople on and teaching them real estate, well, they can sell. If I can tell them, here's your target number, go get it, it's way easier. Really? We're going through the growing pains. Yeah. Well, think about it. If everyone's tradi- – like, like Ron said earlier, everyone has this 20% down is the deal. And and you have this traditional mindset of what real estate is. So if you bring a real estate person on, that's way harder to break than someone that can sell and teach them, uh, hey, here's your I ARV. See. Here's, you know, here's a spreadsheet of what rehab costs in this area. Can he, can't teach an old dog new tricks kind of thing. Bring in someone like that young guy you have is hungry and doesn't have any bad habits and mold them kind of thing. Exactly. And, 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 you know, sales is a transferable skill. Like, I mean, I've sold four or five different things in my life and I was well at all of them, but none of them related at all. 
you know, if you can sell, you basically what selling is, is getting people to like you, understanding what their true motivation is. Like Steve had commented on earlier, what's your motivation? Okay, how do we get to that? Yeah. And here's how we can help you with that by buying your house. How do I fix your pain? Yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, it's not the house. Exactly. The, the house is the, the way we can help them specifically, but right. them needing money has nothing to do with the house. It's whatever their personal situation is. And, and that's probably been the, the hardest part is finding people to understand that. Because I've been – I brought in the, uh, the inbound people and like the phone people and then as well as the acquisitions. And it's a learning process. We, we didn't screen for, do you understand how to use Google? Because that's why the first guy quit because he didn't understand what Google was. <laughs> Oops. Guess I ask that question next time. Really? <laughs> yeah. He's what the Pokemon fuck? Going. How is I that agree. even possible? I, I, it, it never even came – but you know all those stupid contracts that have all these stupid things? Because something somewhere made you do that. <laughs> yeah. Now, and now I have a question. Do you know what Google is? That's a good point. I'm kidding. Yeah. Wow. It's not even a joke. No. Get the fuck out of here. So yeah. it, it, it's, it's a process, you know. And, and I actually sat down with Joe a few um, – a week or two ago and asked you – know, we were kind of you know talking about each other's business and – he was kind of giving me some pointers on hiring and interviewing. And I mean, that's the biggest part is trying to vet that stuff out before you bring them on. And, and luckily the people we've turned over, turned over quick. It's not three, four, yeah. five months on the road. And we're going, oops, <clears throat> you know, we're able to find it out pretty quick. And you know, in a pinch, I can go out on an appointment still. Yeah. Hire slow, fire fast. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We, we fell in that model of trying that's to, good. we're, we're well, that is good, but we didn't do it. <laughs> no, we didn't. Well, you said went through that many people in three weeks. That's pretty fast. We fired fast. We hired quick. Yeah. Oh, well, hire fast, fire fast. So, yeah. so Mike and I, by nature, are both I'm very with you active. Yeah. Let's make a decision. Let's go with it. We yep. usually always try to play devil's advocate on almost everything we do, but sometimes we're too alike. We're like, all right, F it. Let's go. This sounds like yeah. a, let's try by fire them and, 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 you know, see if it works or not. Sink yeah. or swim, bitch. Well, did you have to fire any of them or? Uh, yeah, there was one person that I did end up having to fire. He missed two appointments on one day and blamed email. I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know how that's possible. I, I, I don't know. So th- that guy got gone. That was three days in and he was, he was a good talker, but he was apparently not very good at doing showing things. up. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. You must have some you, sort of anxiety. When you think about it, it's easier to teach real estate than it is the sales skill. Exactly. Because not everybody can have that cadence and mm-hmm. understanding and empathy. So, I mean, the state of Michigan's real estate test is a great example of that. It doesn't take a brain to figure that out. Yeah. So, you only need 40 hours of standing around. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I, I really, honestly, now that we've gotten this far into it, I would be super hesitant, if not completely against hiring a realtor to be an acquisitions person. They, The more they know, the harder it is to deprogram and, and retrain. Because what we do as, as wholesalers, pure wholesaling, is very counterintuitive to a, to a realtor. Almost mm-hmm. everything we do is the opposite. You know, it's like that Seinfeld episode where George said the opposite. You literally have to do the opposite of what <laughs> your brain is telling you. And we we have hired realtors for different aspects of our company, and and they didn't work out. And it was it was really horrible trying to explain you know to them why I don't really care about active listings when I'm trying to get the ARV. Like you know, what is an ARV again? It's like I. I don't, you know, it's fine when they don't know and then you can just tell them once, but it's hard to get some of these concepts across to someone who has a preconceived idea of how they, how they work. Right. Yeah. I don't even look at active listings most of the time. I rarely do. Like, what do I want to do that for? You know? Well, something funny. I was actually on a, on a, a call with a mastermind group and one of the guys is doing virtual wholesaling in another market. He's in Atlanta. He doesn't do wholesaling in that market. He does like seller finance type deals. But he wholesales in another. He, his acquisitions person all across his business are realtors, specifically hires realtors to do it. So it was funny that you said that. It's the opposite. Yeah. 
I was so blown away by what he said. Cause I a hundred percent agree with you. I feel the same way. It's like teaching a dog to be a cat. It's just, it just doesn't work. They're like, I think it's come. It's almost they're mutually exclusive mindsets. Yeah. So, so I don't like it. I mean, he's a KW. All his agents are KW agents too. Yeah. I said, you know, I have a great referral relationship with someone on a local KW team here. I'm, connected with several really high end KW agents in this market. I know almost all of them that are doing great things. And he said, that was the other thing. They're all those kind of agents, the high volume, someone with a team, etc. cetera. Mm-hmm. I haven't got all the details on how he works it yet, but I was really intrigued on how he managed to do that. That's interesting. Yeah. This is one of the things I've struggled with is finding good acquisitions. People mm-hmm. the, that I can plug into the system and that they're going to just follow through and yeah. go. I, yeah. So the best the best acquisitions person our company's ever had was a pharmaceutical salesman. And he was kind of a jerk, but he was a really good Dickhead. salesman. And he, he killed it and didn't know tons about real estate, certainly nothing about renovation. And it's just but good, pure salesman, right? I would rather hire a killer salesman. Like I, I always kind of kid with Mike. That's Let's why look- you're so good at it. Dude, that's, that's right. That's what I was talking about. Yeah. 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 He was he was the he was the pharmaceutical sales guy. Exactly. Let's back up. Let's start over now. Yeah. Um. So I always get with Mike. To me, the ideal salesperson for us is like a car salesman, right? They're just mm-hmm. they just get they're used to rejection. They're used to all the bad stuff of sales, but yeah. they're 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 hardcore sales. I think they would probably make the best, yeah. honestly. But and did you hire salespeople like that to be your? Uh, phone. Do you have an inside salesperson that returns the calls? Then no, or we are your well, acquisitions you person. Yeah, so our that's something I'm struggling with too. Is I'm just a really quick. I'm looking at my system right now while things aren't working as well as I would like them to, and I'm looking at what am I doing that I like, and what am I doing that's not working right? Do I want to have a person that calls all these people back, and then a separate person that goes out and looks at the house? Do I want one guy to do all that? I've gone back and forth. I've tried both ways. I, I really like one guy that's their contact that goes out, looks at the house, takes all the pictures, negotiates, signs them up right there on the spot if possible. But getting someone to that point is like, I feel like it's going to take a year. I mean, you were yeah, really, really good. It took me a while, You had though. experience, and you still took six months, four or five months to get really... No, probably like before I was really, I wouldn't say really good, but where I'd close... A significant portion. It was like six months. Yeah. I was closing stuff at two, but I just shadowed you. That's the big difference, I, was going, I think. I was going with you on a lot of that stuff. Early. I just inserted myself in your yeah. life. That's what I don't understand about these fuckers who want to do this shit part-time. Well, there's one person that's trying to. That, yeah. You know, so. I just embedded myself in your that. life and just copied everything yeah. you did. I went out of my way. What, what are you doing? Yeah. You want to go? Yes. You want to go? Yes. Yes. It's not even my deal. I was doing shit, taking pictures. Yeah, yeah. it, it wasn't even my stuff. Yeah. But Pioneers get shot in the back. Yeah. Well, I was also. I think you need to get somebody motivated. That's I was extremely motivated. Super... I was broke as fuck and hungry. They have and... <laughs> jobs. They've got families and stuff. So I'm not going to tell them quit your job to do this. No. Even though, really, that's what they need to do. A for the time and B for that. Oh shit! Factor. I don't have a safety net. I didn't. My business didn't take off. I didn't start being a success in this business in my mind until I got fired. Because then it was like, oh well, I don't have another option here. But then, I mean, you still have a day job, don't you? No, not anymore? Oh, okay. I was going to say, last time we talked, I think you still did. So, Oh, a couple years. Oh, okay. Then maybe I'm mistaken. But there's um, a lot of my acquisitions people that are trying, or that I shouldn't say my, but people that are representing that they want to be that or want to learn this and do that, 
I'll have jobs and it's a struggle for me to find someone that, so salespeople is what I was going to try to look for. And the other thing was how you were, they're all virtual. I'm assuming, right? They're working. Or do you have an office? No. So no office for us. We've okay. gone back and forth on that. Um, you know, Josh Dillon, who's been on this podcast, keeps telling me we need an office. I keep telling him we don't because <clears throat> in my opinion, we want to hire people that are self-driven. Yeah. So if I have to worry about you doing your job, you shouldn't be on our team. Yeah. And acquisitions people should never have to go to an office because I was a salesperson. If I had to go to an office, it was stupid. Yeah. I was going there to show the boss that I was alive. Yeah, yeah. Essentially was it. So in, in regards to your first questions, we found that, and this is maybe just subliminally that I, I figured out talking with tons of different investors, we can't find people that are like us Yeah, that are going to want to work for you for a paycheck. That's true. They're not going to be totally motivated to do every single part of it. So what we found is, basically creating channels of people that can be very specifically focused on everything. So we have two phone people. All they do is go through a script and I tell them, don't be too pushy on anything. Get information, lightly test motivation, lightly test what they want to get, but just keep them liking you because that is not their skill set. Their skill set is picking up that phone, talking to them, being very friendly and getting information so we can comp that house. And at the end of that call, schedule an appointment for our salespeople. Salespeople go on that appointment. They they check the ARV that our lead manager puts in there. So he's the guy that's running comps all day. They double check that. So that's kind of the, your your checks and balances. Mm-hmm. If they're together, awesome. If they're off, you guys talk on the phone. Why are we off? Right. And figure it out. And if you can't figure it out, call Mike or I. And then we'll kind of look at it because it's probably a unique scenario that yeah. we have to give them some input on. <clears throat> so we want people to be super focused on exactly what they do. So the salespeople, they go on appointments all day. They call them two days ahead of time. One day, maybe depending on, you know, the situation and build that rapport, understand what they're looking for, go on that appointment. So they have that warm and fuzzy when they show up, they can build on that. So I would say you're looking at two different people. If And it goes back. It's a challenging thing to do because Mike and I struggle with this. We wanted one person to do everything mm-hmm. and then that didn't work. And then we tried to bring another person on to do maybe a little bit of everything and that didn't work. So that's why we hired so aggressively. Like we could have been slower about it, but like he had said, we're trying to build the business we want to be. And from that, we had to put people in the right channels that they can specifically focus on one thing and do the right thing. And then at the same time, hold them accountable. So right. if, if you know, person in a slot is not holding up the minimum standards, we can fire them and replace them pretty quickly. Or if they're not happy, we can understand why and try and figure uh, out what that problem is. If you can't hold someone accountable. It's like a prefab house. You just pull out a piece and put in a new piece and uh, the thing is the machine just keeps going, right? Yeah. Well, a conversation we had had is, you know, a person on our team, if, if they're not doing what we originally told them to ex- expect to do, are we comfortable firing them? And we weren't. So we had to adjust the expectations so that if they aren't doing what we're expecting of them, we can fire them. Mm. So just because we have a goal doesn't mean it's a fair goal to put on an employee. I see. Mm. Well, How first, do you- if, you're, if you set up the expectation, you're going to find that rock star sooner or later, right? If you just keep if you keep learning how to hire or not to hire, yeah, you're going to find that person like, and then you take that guy and raise him up. Agreed. But yeah. at the same time, do you want to put your business on one person? Well, I think that your the growing pain is always the problem because I did the same thing when I was building the REO stuff. It was like I went from like forty listings to like a hundred, like in three months. Damn. And there was no way I could handle that paperwork, right? So I just kind of threw a bunch of pe- admin people at it, <laughs> and then just kind of kind of threw them out and ended up with a, a real nice office manager and a real nice MOS person. That's all I needed, yeah. really. The other people were support to them. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I went into that game before technology was technology where everybody had to be in a room like this. And so at the end of my run, I had them working remotely. 
and I just kind of fell apart. But my point being is you got to, you know, you kind of throw them in there and th- th- kick them out, right? Higher, slow, fire fast. So if they're not working, boom, you just get them out. So, well, well real quick with your guys' system. So I've gone back and forth on that a lot. And one thing that I'm seeing that is sort of reversed from, I guess, the philosophies is, you're sort of having the non-salesperson on the phone first, kind of getting gathering all the info and pre-screening, and then you're having the salesperson call and build rapport and go out on the appointment. Is that right? Correct. I was kind of doing it reverse. I was having the salesperson on the phone, you know, getting screening and then booking the appointment, and then just anybody going and taking the photos and all that. And the reason was I, I wasn't getting enough offers accepted on the spot. Like I would go and make an offer, and sometimes I'd leave it, and it worked, but it was just, I was trying to be more efficient and find a system that I could, like you said, like plug, plug one thing in. And it just never seemed to be what I wanted it to be. You know, I mean, I, Jeremy knows cause he was in it. So yeah. I think you can understand. I don't know if I'm like articulating it very well, but yeah. And I think it was a rare, a rare thing too. It's going to be, it's going to be hard to find one person to do all that. It needs to be extremely motivated too. And I was extremely motivated because learning all that shit you knew was hard. Yeah. It was a tough, well, it like, takes time to learn all this. Yeah. yeah that first two or three months Not was pretty, to... even for me, I don't intimidate easily, but it was steep learning curve so i'm gonna learn a crm i gotta learn how to close somebody in person i got you know it's a lot to learn you know so i'm seeing i think i probably should have that role as two different people and and keep it more i like that because i always thought when i'm there i have the best chance of getting the deal right i mean we're the reason is we're doing this we're the the best at it right you're the black yeah so when i send somebody else out there that doesn't have those skills if they can get the deal great um but I got to the point where I didn't think anybody was getting them because I was just getting pictures and stuff. So, yeah, I think for us too, the the reason why we're building like we are, and it's I think there's no really right way of doing it. But for us, we always look at it as if we build it this way, can it scale? And if it can't scale, oh, that we point. can't do it. So yeah. if you put too many hats on one person, you can't scale it really. Um, and also, it gives that one person an awful lot of power within your organization, oh, yeah. and that's sort of a like a scared mindset. And it's not really that, but if you have to replace that person quickly, right? Fire fast. How how do you replace yeah. that person? They're a rock star. You can't do it. So we try to keep everyone. Keep like Mike says, keep them in their lane. Give them a lane and stay stay in that lane. And 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 if we do have to move pieces around, it's a lot easier to replace a closing coordinator who that's all they do or a salesperson. That's all they do. A phone person. That's all they do. Right. You end up with a bigger organization, but Mike and I are, are really good. I think about hiring responsibly, even it sounds like we're hiring a ton of people, but a lot of people are tied in to our, to our profits, right? They're incentivized yeah, by our profits. They're not just yeah. all yeah. making $40,000 a year, 50,000. A lot of them are very, so <laughs> funny when you say creative deals we're way more creative with salaries than we are with deals <laughs> so we have a fairly large organization but relatively speaking if you looked at the the head count you would assume that our payroll is a lot higher than it is so we're real creative about how we incentivize and we try to tie their incentives to our incentives because no one cares as much as we do yeah. the only way to make them care as much as we do is to give them a piece of the pie so to speak mm-hmm. so, Big care, i've right? always agreed with that yeah. so on bad months everyone sort of suffers right our, our acquisitions people if they're not getting contracts their their life sort of sucks financially good so, yeah. yeah so well, if you good. take that kw model which is the rainmakers up here and then the hundred thousand dollar person's here that hundred thousand dollar person only talks to you everybody below them talks to that hundred thousand dollar person 
Now that $100,000 person is hooked to the percentage of the profits too. Mm-hmm. So he's incentivized to take all the grief and only talk to you when there's big grief. Mm-hmm. Right? That's how you get out, like what you guys are trying to do. So, That's what I've been trying to do for yeah. years is I thought I had a great system, um, but I keep screwing up somewhere. I'm not getting to – I've watched you guys so, come from like this and just go – and a Ferrari I, passed me and I'm I think where amazed and impressed. Be, and this is something that was a huge struggle for both of us is you can't expect 100% out of all the people you bring on. You got to bring on four people that are doing – 50% and then you're doing 200%. Yeah. I mean, that's a low, low mark, watermark. But if you bring on two people doing 80% of you, you're 60% ahead. So right. you can't expect every single person you bring on to be you. And that's a huge struggle. And I, I bite my tongue. And the true mark of leadership, I think, and, and I'm learning this, you know, on the fly is you have to be able to train, and motivate people yeah. and put them in the best position possible to be successful. Like if they're feeling, it's mostly an indictment on me because I didn't do something properly or I didn't do empower. I agree. Exactly. That. And, that, agree and that's that. the thing that I've been really learning. Like, I'm like, don't you get it, man? I got to go. <laughs> no, I, I, <laughs> I know I do all of us in this room are unique people. So we have that mindset and we're like, why doesn't everyone else have this mindset? Because not everyone has it. That's why yeah. there's employees in the world. And it's I, not a knock on them. It's just what they want to be. Somebody's got to do that. I definitely struggle with the training part. I try to turn things. I try to give them the resources that I have and that I've used, right? All this, I have just thousands upon tens and upon tens of thousands of dollars worth of education and stuff. And I kind of pick out pieces of it and, thinking I'm going to give it to them on the silver platter. Look, I've correlated all this stuff for you in here. And they're just overwhelmed by it, it seems. So they don't get it. They're not in the same place I was when I heard that. And you know what I mean? So I'm right now trying to create a training manual, but it's really fucking hard, especially when you need to be doing the business. Training manuals? I've made them for every single position. I don't know that anybody actually reads them. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't how read them when I was in it, sales. So. I think it helps me put it out there, so I feel like I've done it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how much. Helps. I mean, yeah, you can direct them to certain pieces of it at the right time. But if you give them someone, hey, here's how you do real estate. Well, how are Wait, you what? training your acquisitions guys? Because that's my biggest <laughs> I challenge, I guess. And just right go away. with them. Go with them on some. Don't go yeah. on. I basically look. What are the ones that look like they might be deal? What are the ones that look awful? Yeah, yeah. Send them on the ones that are look awful by themselves. <laughs> you know what? Where I'm there at. Is, I'm agreeing with you there. Talking to people and getting up to when you make the offer is a skill. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Get them to like you. Yeah, understand yeah. it. You've got to go on these before you can understand what a deal even looks like. The reason yeah. you need to help is because you're good at it. Exactly. Right. So you get out. Yeah, if I can yeah. just go say, hey, yeah, you want 70 grand and it's worth 200, heck yeah, I can do that on the phone. Yeah, yeah. We need them to go out there. And I mean, my close ratio, when I was going on appointments, I'd go on probably three or four out of, and I mean, close three or four out of maybe 10 to 15. Mm-hmm. So, you have more losers than you have winners. Sure. It's just going through that practice because sometimes the ones that look like losers are winners. Yeah. You know? And that's another thing. Do you guys go out on every appointment? I mean, do you, for the most part, for the most part, look at every house? We want everybody to go on it because yeah. if they don't want now, maybe they want it later. Yeah. I mean, one of our best deals can't call us back nine months later. Yeah. I have a follow up check in call from our, our phone person. Yep. They well, most follow up the best. Volume wholesalers, they've sent offers on everything, even if it's simply an email. Yeah. They do that. I mean, it's kind of their MO. Right? We you don't know, do that. Make, stick to the wall. Yeah, I, I I'm like you. I don't want to do that either. We we like the follow up method better. We like to call them every mm-hmm. you know thirty, sixty, ninety, and then you know throw them into some sort of a phone. And it's not a drip campaign, which is automated. Like our people actually dial the number and talk to them, or leave That's them a good. message. So you know that that varies depending on the motivation level. But I think if you touch more people more often, I mean, our mentor told us, you know, more salespeople. Talking to more leads equals more deals. Yeah. I mean, it's a simple math. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, everything's a numbers game when it comes to almost anything. If you 
basically extrapolate it long enough and far enough out, you know, from looking at it close. Mm-hmm. So I feel, and I, and I felt it when I personally was on the appointments and I went on less, I got less deals. Yeah. Even if they That's all look true. like dog crap deals. And then I went and I said, oh, this looks terrible, but I go on. I don't know if maybe you hit enough numbers. Eventually it works yeah. out that way. Just the law of the universe. It's easy to get beaten down. I think. Cause I get in that mode where I'm like, why did I even book this appointment? I'm going out. And then you end up getting the deal and you're like, that's, That's right. right. I ended up booking it. That's yeah. exactly why. You know, but then you go to one that, like, I drove. I was so excited about this deal with Ron. I didn't know Ron was involved. Um, I was so excited about this lead. Yeah, I'm like, she said all the right things. I asked her. I was like, all right, well, have you? You said you've already talked to a realtor. Okay, are you have any other investors that you? No, I'm just, I'm just kind of seeing what was, what was out there. I saw your website. Okay, cool. I dropped everything and drove out there, which is what you're supposed to do. And I would do it again, but. uh yeah, it's uh, sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. Yeah, yeah, that kind of wins the game. Once Always <laughs> wins the game. Wiley Coyote here for but the real, kill. <laughs> real quick, because I, I, without getting into specifics, I don't expect you to do that, but how are you paying your acquisitions people? Do you give them a base plus, or is no, it all only straight all, salary? All commission. Or commission, yeah. I mean, that's so good. So it's, it's 100% commission based off their gross profits. So so like tiered? Yeah. No, essentially is. Say we have a ten thousand dollars time, they get paid on that. If we do a wholesale, they get paid paid on whatever purchase price. Basically, all of our expenses outside of marketing, overhead, things like right. that. So basically, any individual deal, deal expense gets taken off of the gross profit, and then they get paid on that. Okay, I like cool. that. So if they're not if they're not closing, they're not eating. Yeah. yeah. If you don't want to yeah, talk yeah. about your percentage, that's fine. But I privately, maybe I'd like to. Okay, that's yeah. kind of where I'm thinking too. But yeah. Or a flat fee. I also have a flat fee. Yeah, you care. Don't say thought. it. Thought. Yeah, don't so, say it. Yeah. I'm going to protect you from that one. Don't yeah. say it. Yeah. Sorry, guys. This podcast is as open as you can get, but come on, man. It's a <laughs> fucking on, business, man. and this involves money, and they're spending thousands of dollars on marketing. So you yeah. fucking figure it out. Google yeah. it. You know? I think the, the thing for us, and we, Mike and I struggle with a little bit, is, you know, we're. You know, we're probably pretty hard, hardcore and we, we don't have a lot of sympathy for a lot of people, but you do start feeling bad when it's like, Hey, this is somebody's livelihood. Like, what are you going to do? So we've debated the whole straight commission versus, versus, um, you know, salary, whatever. But well, the thing that we, we can do, luckily at this point in our business is we can show them track record. We can show sure. them what we're doing. We can show them what we're currently, if, if they're interested. So, you know, yeah, it's all, it's all commission, but. You know, the reality is, I mean, I look at Mike, Mike's a sales guy, right? And I always tell people this when we, when we're in the interview is I go, here's what, here's the best thing I can tell you about this position, this company. You have a sales compensation structure that was created by a salesman. Ooh. You can't beat that. And I always tell Mike, he'll, he'll create the compensation. Go, what do you think? What is what I think we should do? You know, they can make a lot of money. I'll go, why are we paying so much money? These people, are you serious? <laughs> They're going to make twice, three times what I'm making. And it's like, yeah, but, you know, and then he kind of sells me on the sales side. Like, this is what you have to do to get the best of the best, right? Yeah. So our, our compensation structure, without talking about it specifically, it's super sales friendly. It's it's really, it's we have incentives and things like that. So it's a really good situation, but it is straight commission. If you don't kill, you don't eat. That's right. right. So, and Which I is think how it that should that's, be. Yeah, it is how it should be. So the great thing, too, is we kind of think of it like this. We're hiring these acquisition people, and they have nothing but an opportunity to succeed. We don't put caps on anything. They can make all they want, right, because we're going to do better if they do. But what we do have is a mentality of, okay, we have, you know, maybe we have three salesmen, and two of them are just killing it, and one's barely making quota, right? 
we can always prune, right? We can treat these things like bonsai. These people like, I like bonsai that. tree. Prune. We, we prune it and we bring in somebody else. And maybe he crushes number two guy or girl or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they have to get pruned, or maybe they have to, you know, try to improve. So we're we're constantly going to try to like improve through. You know, the strongest survive kind of a thing. I think Joe calls that top grading. Keep bringing in talent and push out the, the, the shit at the yeah. bottom. That yeah. kind of, yeah, that's a good policy. Survival of the fittest. Yeah. Uh, how do you, I have a question because um, I'm doing these live wholesale calls and I'm trying to get some fucking decent people trained for, for Steve. How do you motivate and hold um, people accountable for for following the script and following the procedure and showing up on time and so I think scripts are meant to be broken. They are a training tool that gets you started. Everyone's their own salesperson. That that was one of our biggest struggles. I want everyone to be exactly like me in the way I sold. But you know what? Ron sells different than me. Steve sells different than me. You sell different than me. Everyone's got their own style. Here's what we need to get to. How is the best way to get here? I give you tools that I think work for me, but it might not fit your personality. So on the acquisition side, that's probably the biggest challenge because you know, they always say, you know, those who can't teach do or can't do teach something, like whatever. But I, I feel the challenge is like, just do it. It's easy. Hmm. And breaking myself away from that and trying to help empower, like Ron had mentioned and, and figure out the best ways to train them is more talking through theories and here's how I would do it. But okay, your maybe your personality doesn't go that way, but do the script until you're comfortable with it and then start making it your own. So I would, that's what I said. Personal. I, would, I said, memorize yeah. then personalize, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, if, if you don't know what you're talking about, then follow the script verbatim until, right. until you feel comfortable enough to not do the script. And you, you feel maybe you test this one part, you change it. Yeah. Oh, that worked well. Okay. That's my part now. Well, the script right is just a, a information gathering tool and it's all that we use the script for. It's just, follow a way to a way to follow to get all of the information that we need in order to make an offer or move this lead along the biggest things that people salespeople need to learn is not really even on the script it's how to hear and listen to Mm -hmm. listen for motivation keywords or you know just keywords in general ask and shut up yep (laughs) that i think is very ron said is the best sales trick i ever talked to anybody in the world about say something and shut your mouth I once got a deal that we, I think, made 15 or I think 15,000 assignment. I sat and stared at a guy for a minute and a half until he gave <laughs> I gave him my offer. What do you Steve think? Do this, he didn't yeah. say a word. I sat there and I looked at him. Yeah. One time it was like three and a half minutes. It was Whoever a talks long first time. loses. I mean, yeah. it's a negotiation. Like, you know, I combat that though. Is I just, if they won't give it to me, I give them a number that doesn't make sense at all. Oh, yeah. If it's and on the phone. Say, well, I would never take that. And I said, okay, well, I started. Yeah. Where are you at? I gave you the number. Now, where are you at? Where are you at? Okay. I like that, Ron. Yeah. I was like, what is your thoughts on that? Or, or what where is the best at, you could oh, do? Sorry. And then you negotiate from a new number. But I kind of forgot part of the original question. I know no, the accountability part, too. So the accountability part. Well, I, I need, I'm trying to get him to, to do to do the shit, right? And <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't, so, and so, I'm terrible at this. So I need some fucking help, man. Help me out. I need some help big time. So. <laughs> I mean, call everybody back like as fast as you humanly can. That's Why is that so thing. hard? I don't know. But you would be surprised same. at how many people, like I've called almost every bandit sign out there. I have not yet oh, yeah. received a phone call no. back. Yeah. The only no. one I ever called me back was you. Yeah. yeah. I was the only one that's called <laughs> Ron back. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like, why did you just call me? <laughs> yeah. Micah, your dad called me from yeah, a bandit yeah, sign. I see his, I'm like, why do I know that number? And I dial it and it shows his name. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, be responsible. You, you spend money to market or you do something to get calls manage those calls you know you only get so many and each one of them are worth a certain amount we have uh, i don't know the exact metrics but you know we need x amount of calls to get a lead then we need 
X amount of leads to get a deal. So dude, <laughs> work I those a, numbers. How do you parcel out the leads? Maybe this is where the secret's at. How do you decide who gets, who gets what? what lead? That's another idea too. Is it Our just, inbound people, it basically going to answer the phone first and then it's a total rotation. Total luck. Just of the do a uh, round mm-hmm. robin. Yeah, yeah totally okay. round robin. So I can do that things. right in my CRM. I can set it up to automatically do the round robin. Which yeah, is so I probably should do. <clears throat> yeah, and it was, right it was, now I'm doing. Fuck being fair, I kind of want like because I need shit. I need suburbs deals, and I'm the best one to do them. And I don't have a shit ton of leads coming in from the suburbs. I don't have a ton of marketing going out for that. So I'm like, you know what? That's a great way to split it up. Detroit, I would rather someone practice on my Detroit leads than on my Birmingham or Royal Oak leads. How do they make any money then? Closed deals. I mean, my Joel has four houses under contract. Now, I have them all sold. I have one that's actually got a contract and a closing schedule. But if it works, it works. But um our policy know. is if I go on an appointment with somebody, it's their deal. doesn't matter. I mm-hmm. don't get commission. I'm an owner. Yeah, so yeah. essentially, I'm going there to empower them, get build that confidence. That's kind of the way I think. Um, in terms of accountability numbers, we hold them to a certain amount of revenue per week in terms of quota. And they get a certain amount of ramp-up time, usually about 30 to 60 days is kind of what we're targeting right now. And we made our we just recently – on our on our Monday meeting, <laughs> and Mike's like 30. so Mike and I lock ourselves in, a, in an office slash – Blackfin on every once a month in, <laughs> on Mondays and spend hours just, you know, hammering each other on what we can do best to build our business. And we revamped kind of the quota structure and the compensation structure. But essentially, we made it, like I said, so we could hold them accountable for number. And if they're not hitting this number, we can fire them and not feel bad about it yeah. because it's super realistic. And like Mike said, it has to scale. So if they're all crushing it, Awesome. Then we get to hire a new person because all that money's coming in and we get to reinvest it again yeah. and we're going to hit the rotations faster. And then once that works, then maybe we take it to a different market, yeah. but their numbers is a certain quote amount. We want them to go on a minimum of 10 appointments a week. If we can't generate that, they've got to figure out how to do it themselves. Oh, so I like that. Drive for dollars, that <laughs> you know, knocking yeah. on doors, you know, talking to agents and finding those pocket listings. So they've got to do that. And they got to get two contracts a week. I don't care how much they're worth unless as long as your average quote is this. Same with the phone people. They got to answer every phone call or get back in touch with them that day unless it's after hours. So you have metrics for them in terms of you have a number of leads or uh, appointments they go on per week, a number mm-hmm. of contracts per week. So you said quota. Do you mean they have a average per deal they need to make? Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Mike. Oh, sorry. sorry. Really, in my brain, there's a number of a, of a dollar amount that they have to hit per week. Right. We know on average if they get two deals in our system, they'll hit that, right? right? But if they get two deals and they are consistently way under that dollar amount, then the dollar amount is it trumps the trumps sure. trumps the contract. Right? I got you. Because you can't hold on, hold on, on, Mike, Mike. Sorry, guys. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> so uh, it's the activity we're trying to drive in a certain way. What they're truly held accountable is their dollars. That's yeah. what the business is run on. But we want them to do these certain activities because that generates those dollars. If they right. don't show up enough, they're not going to have enough at bats to hit the ball yeah. that comes across the plate. That makes sense. Totally, I agree. All right, so they got they got it. They got to get a certain number of closing contracts. They have to get a, um, a certain number of appointments. What else? And, and they have to hit a dollar amount, right? What else do they have to do? Or is that I mean, it? That's basically it. Okay. I like I mean, that. We, we, we tried it. Mike and I have strained as hard as we can to make it as simple as possible, but nothing simpler, as Einstein said, you know? Make it as simple as possible, but nothing simpler. We have come up with some complex stuff in terms of compensation structures, but we still try to drive it down to what is the most simple and understandable way of getting their business. Because... To be honest, what we do is not 
that complex. No, no, it's not. No, it's not. You know, everyone likes. I mean, you you, you go talk to these gurus and stuff. They'll make it sound like you have to you know spin a yarn and topple. It's not that hard. You buy a contract, you sell a contract, or you yeah. buy a house, you sell a house. <laughs> it's one of those things. So we try to keep our people very activities driven on the things that we think will drive the revenue. Because ultimately, if we don't have revenue, we can't pay them. And you know, I mean, a, a thing that we do, we look at everyone we have and that we're responsible for. <laughs> You know, those people that we pay, we're responsible for them and their family. So we take that very seriously. Mm. I like that. So if they don't hit those numbers, how long before they're shit canned? So this is one of the things is we basically ramped up our hiring pretty quickly lately. Um, essentially, if they don't hit their numbers, they can be, at least the sales side, about 80% of running total of goal before they get put on a performance improvement plan. I'm sure everyone knows what those are. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's either get your stuff in gear or else we're going to let you go. Yeah. And that's why we changed the goal structure in a way that we wouldn't feel bad. Cause that means they're hurting us and they're not helping themselves anyway. And they're not, right. they're not the right fit. I mean, we well, that's want- a good point. So you don't set it too high, but if they don't exactly. hit So this- our original goal for the company can't be what one salesperson does. We found that. I mean, maybe it was me doing it possibly, probably, but not every person that we bring on is going to be able to do that. Because they just don't have the same experience, values, skills, drive, yeah. skill. I mean, there's a tons of different things that could go into it, but they're just not an entrepreneur at heart. And they don't have that, you know, I wake up at five in the morning, I go to bed at, you know, nine or 10 at night and I've worked the entire day. Yeah. Well, if they did, they'd be doing it themselves. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So the, the goal is realistic. Very, very realistic in my opinion. But there's there are incentives in place to exceed the goal, yeah. right? So there's a really tangible reason for them to just, just beat what we're asking them to do. But like Mike said, we've set it up so that if they can't hit the goals that we set for them, I, I mean, everyone's losing. We're losing. They're losing. It's it's very clear they have to go. It's just not a good fit for them. So, so there's a carrot and a stick. So okay, I yeah. like that. Does that help? That's that's yeah, interesting. Huge. Yeah, yeah, really, really helpful. I don't know. Maybe we'll have to brainstorm after well, some point in time and how we fucking. They, they both listen to this podcast, so I don't yeah. want to. <laughs> and I, there's, it's not a personal. That I think they're certainly the the other the newer guys trying very very hard. Yeah, he's, he's got some good potential. One thing that you said that I it made me miss having a partner, not having that partner, having a partner, sitting together and talking at uh, Blackfin like that about like going overall, having that person to just go, well, this is what I think because I have so many crazy thoughts in my head, and I tried doing that with Jeremy a little bit, but he it was different though because Jeremy wasn't my partner; he kind of worked for me, so it, I had to kind of temper that with yeah. all my brain dump of stuff and concerns and worries and all the things I think are doing great, not doing great to that where I don't want to spook him or scare him either. You kind of need that. So um, how often do you guys, do you do like weekly, monthly and quarterly reviews or do you just stick to like monthly quarterly reviews of the employees of, of your stuff, your numbers, your metrics. Mike and I talk, Mike and I talk, mm, he wakes up at, Five or six, I wake up at seven or eight. Mm-hmm. We talk from about eight thirty or nine until about nine o'clock at night every single day. Right? It's just it's that's mostly yeah. That's mostly like you know some putting out fires, some talking about immediate need kind of stuff. Um, as far as meeting, our company has a meeting with with everybody in our company once a month for a couple of hours in person. Where do you do those? Blackfin. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah, a little plug for Blackfin. There you go. Um, <laughs> That's in Royal Oak. Get yeah. you drunk on. Yeah, it's a great place. And uh, and then when after that two-hour company meeting, Mike and I sit there for at least another two hours. That's at once a month. Every other week, Mike and I get together 
for several hours. And all we do is just brainstorm, fix problems, decide how we're going to do things. And so there's a lot of it. I mean, in a month, I bet we have at least five to six hours face to face where we're brainstorming and, and trying to figure out how we're going to do things and how we're going to move forward. And then every day we, we pretty much talk all day. So, you know, we tell people that we're, that we're hiring, you know, we're very accessible. You can get a hold of us anytime between the two of us. You know, there's somebody basically on duty from five in the morning until two at night because yeah. I, I'm at night out and he's early. So yeah, yeah. we're, and it's like, you know, the Terminator, it's all we do is think about the business and how to grow it and how to make it better. That's literally <laughs> all we do. We're looking for Sarah Connor 24 seven. You know what I mean? Sarah Connor. That's all you we must do. Sign. But it's true. It really is all we do right now. And we're trying to hire ourselves out of that a little bit, obviously. But, you know, every time we hire someone and they take something off of our plate, we put something on our plate that, that maybe was getting neglected before yeah. or we weren't paying enough attention to. Yeah. So we're still kind of in that process. But. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of neglect in this business. I feel like any attention I spend on something else, like something else is just going to fucking shit. Maybe that's yeah. just in my brain. But I'm glad, I'm glad you said it, too. Yeah. Like maybe With all the true. people that we have and all the things that Mike and I do every day, honestly, there's probably at least a dozen things on my whiteboard that we just don't get to because they're just not enough of a priority to push something else off the plate. Right. But there's a never ending you know list of things that you could do and should do. But it's tough. I think, you know, when we when we when it was just him and I, there was probably just tons of things we weren't doing, right? So we're kind of getting better at that. But and then too, as you kind of grow, there's more things that need to be done too. So we're sort of creating some of our own problems. Sure, but yeah. you know, as soon as you hire one person, now you've got potentially problems there to deal with. You know, from time to time. So, yeah. you know, firing people isn't fun or easy, and it takes up some time. So, yeah. yeah. Well, also there's some risk with firing as well. How do you guys handle that risk, right? Or there's really no. We don't have W two employees. Everyone's okay. contract. Everybody's yep. 1099. So, yeah. you know, it's like we're, it's like a, you know, it's a gardener, right? We can fire your Pack sand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, we treat them like employees and we we're obviously, we, we want to keep everyone around. We think of them like regular employees, but the fact of the matter is they're, they're legally not technically. Well, you don't have an office either. So that's no, not even confusing at all. So, yeah. yeah. yeah no yeah, office. No you don't office. provide them with all their materials, with no. computers oh, and all that stuff. No. Just leads. Have just, your own shit. Leads. Do your own dialing. Do your own stuff. Here are some leads. Book some well, appointments. I, I, I'll tell you what. I, I I have watched you guys grow and stuff for the last over the last few years, and it's been awesome to watch. So yeah, it's been amazing. It's inspiring, and this just sitting down with you guys and just get, getting those few tips for myself is awesome and helpful. Awesome. So. Well, you know, obviously, when I started doing this a few years ago, two and a half years ago, whatever it was. I came to you. You were doing it, and I wasn't, and I had a lot of questions. There's things I didn't know and how to do them, and you know, kind of like Jeremy, I was like, I just bugged you a few times and went out to dinner with you, and I was like, What are you? What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. So, it all, it you know, it's all good. Everyone, everyone's kind of helps each other. So it's, it's yeah. Well, that's I also I don't think of you guys as competitors. I mean, we are technically all three of us here competitors, but I never look at it. If I I try and work with Ron all the time. If I know we're in a deal together, I report you guys to the state. By we, the way. we try to work, but uh, you know, I, I I don't have a problem. We've closed deals together. You know, we've done some Detroit stuff. We did some Birmingham stuff. But uh, I've never looked at. I posted this Facebook thing today. I uh, I don't believe in haters. Like I'm not a hater in any sense. I want everybody to do well. So it's cool and it's inspiring from my side too. Everybody has their ups and downs and stuff, but I. Really appreciate the just the back and forth and the openness well, no of this podcast. Too. Yeah, I've yeah, always thought that. Always no, 
Yeah, nope. that's we've always had that too. We don't believe in scarcity. It's just abundance yeah. mentality. Nobody's there's no competitors, right? Yeah. Really, if you're just killing it, you're killing ball. it. We're killing it. <laughs> yeah, right. We're just we're yeah. Try, there's but... just there's always more deals. We're luckily yeah. we're in a, a decent area here. This isn't a small town, a small area, right? This metro area is huge. Four point four million people. Exactly. I mean, there's people out there that are just probably doing tons and tons of business I've never even heard of. There right? every day. I bump into them. Yep. Yeah. So that's awesome. You know, we're gonna put them out of business. Well, I mean, it's nice that they're doing it now. Yeah, yeah. I hope you like living on the streets in a fucking paper bag because that's what's next. <laughs> that way all the nice shit out of the way. Hey, Mr. Seller, do you have anybody else that's looking in your ass? Oh, yeah, I got this guy named Mike coming after him. Like, oh, shit. You better really? sign now. I got this contract right here. Yeah. <laughs> I heard he paid the last guy with cat food. You better yeah. sign right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, and after Mike is coming Steve. Oh, yeah, here you go. That, that's going to be worse. I was thinking half that. <laughs> I've seen him do that so many times. It's like, oh, geez. Uh, I always got to throw that well, out there. To kind of piggyback, I actually had a coaching call with one of our salespeople today. She goes, I felt sick about making that offer. I go, good. good. Because if you're not kind of queasy about your first offer, you've done it wrong. Yeah. Because you've got to have somewhere to go. But essentially what your goal is when you're making an offer is offend them as much as possible without having them throw you out the front door. Yeah. And where you can still talk to them. Because yeah, well, then you have somewhere to go. Yeah. Well, you definitely achieved that with that one lead you sent me. He's uh, not a fan of Mike Squared. And if they don't like it, then we team up for the agents. That's, which, thank you. you. It was perfect. It played right out of my hand. He's like, just stick it to bed. The old people don't think I don't know shit. No, no. I'm sure he looked at Zillow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. By the way, he thinks his house worth 30 grand more than he says it does. So that's not an accident either, right? <laughs> um, I have an idea. What well, first of all, before I get to that, it, what new books or podcasts or ideas or things? It just kind of like we got a group think tank of people who've done a shit ton of deals. There's like Ron and then everybody else, but yeah, we we probably all done as much as Ron has. So anyway, there's a lot of there's a lot of deals in this room. Um, what new books or ideas or podcasts or, or things you, have you been on your mind or influences? I would say you just said you guys had a mentor or two. I'm just curious. I'm at this funny in between state. So I, uh, Mike Corsini, I don't know if you guys listen to his podcast, but he's one of the most, he, he actually just got a show on HGTV. He's out of, uh, he's out of Atlanta somewhere, Atlanta, suburb of Atlanta. Yeah. It's a podcast. Mike yeah, Corsini. Mike Corsini. Yeah. We all just grab our phone. Yeah. But he's, uh, I found him to be the most transparent and he, and his podcasts aren't three and a half hours long. What? Was so that a problem, that. sir? Yeah. So when I got to drive, drive to Ann Arbor to check my house, I can listen to it. Yeah, but it's like thirty minutes. And he always talks to a lot of the big guys, and he's part of that collective genius. Oh which yeah, all those big all those big guys across the country belong to. Yeah, it's good. And one. trying to get an invite, I've been trying for wait what a year, dude. I'm I not in. finding this. What is this, Mike Corsini? I've been invited to that three times. Well, let's go, man. The only reason I haven't been able to do it. All right, let's go. That cheddar. I'm serious. I'll wait, wait. I'm not finding this. What is I it? Mike Cor- How do you spell Corsini? C O R. Is this on iTunes? S I N I. No, it's on um, SoundCloud. Yeah, no, no, no. It's on iTunes because it's on Ken iTunes. Corsini. Yeah, there you go. Ken. All right, there we go. Sorry, folks. Got That's, Mike in um, the brain. Yeah. Mike. Wait, I'm an audio. There's a lot of Mike in here. Uh, okay, so folks, it, Deal Farm, a real yes. estate investment community. Ken Corsini, C O R S I N I. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, it looks like that. Yeah, I'm looking. Yeah, so if you're looking at it, uh, it says he's got like Ken Corsini. It's a white dude kind of looking at you funny. It says Deal Farm podcast right across the top. So 
141 reviews. Look, Renegades, hook a brother up, man. Brother up. This guy's got 141, and we're at 28. Deal Farm Podcast. Yeah, hook one, hook one up. So this guy's pretty transparent, Ron? Yeah, I mean, I just listened to it. He had, I'd noticed he'd been off the air for about like three weeks, and he had done the pilot to this HGTV show about two and a half more or two months ago. And then when he came back on, I said it was on there this morning, so I listened to it, and he said that they – they brought him in. They were taping 13 episodes. Wow. This guy doing flips in Georgia. Cool. And he's a, you know, he's a very honest guy. His wife, you know, his wife is a designer and he's the real estate guy. And he's got a, he's got a, a pretty high volume process. He kind of started out doing turnkey rentals initially back in 04 and 05 and then lost his shirt in 07 and 08 like a lot of people did. And then kind of climbed himself back out of the, the mire again. So. Feels familiar. Yeah. yeah. He's got a lot of familiar guests. I've seen a lot of his. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of those guys. And a lot because he's, he's in that collective genius. So he gets a lot of those guys yeah. on there. Yeah. 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 So. CG's got a ton of really good, good, high, high powered. And that's the one that I've been listening to the most that I, Oh, I've never heard of it. So what I'm hearing is you wish he did longer podcasts, right? <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> More transparency. Yeah. Don't worry, Ron. For you, I'm going to make these things even longer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, just go back and listen to episode one. I well, think you know that's what? The, long, the longest today. Right? Yeah. Well, my wife's tired. She goes to bed, and I got nothing to do because the TV's too loud. I just pop the headphones in, and I listen to the Renegades. All right. <laughs> so, Ron, okay. No, yeah. I'm not going to say yeah. that. I know your wife. She's a nice lady. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, anybody else? Any new podcast books, influences, mentors, thoughts? So, ideas? I should get uh, some referral bonuses for this thing from this guy, but everybody should read procrastinate on purpose. It's basically the one thing with an action plan. It's crazy good. Um, procrastinate I, on purpose. Yeah. It's a uh, Rory Vaden, I believe his name R O R Y V A D A N, but it's such a good book. It basically made me start thinking in a totally different way. Cause like one thing seems to be more of a theoretical type of action tank plan, but this one's like very specific about things to do. And, I found it extremely beneficial. I think Mike's done the same. And uh, I referred to Josh. He said it's jumped to his top five already. Wow. So Just like that? Yeah. And he's not even done with it yet. <laughs> well, dude. It's excellent. He wrote another bestseller. It's called Take the Stairs. But he said this is kind of like a – not – I don't know him. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's a great book. I'd recommend it to everybody to read that yeah, one. Yeah, it's Procrastinate on Purpose, Five Permissions to Multiply Your Time by Rory Vaden. And it is on Audible, too. So – and – we buy ROI. Go, I don't know. Go send him a thank you, whatever. Right. So if you like this stuff, you we, know. uh, we, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> audible, right. You listen to it on audible. You're an audiobook guy too, no, right? I'm a, I'm a reader. Oh, you're a reader. I oh, okay. Podcast on three times speed, but I okay. read all the books. That's gotcha. Funny. Okay. See, I do the, I do the audible thing too. And yeah, I can't read because you, well, what you said was funny. Cause you're like, well, I don't know him. I swear to God, I know Joe Rogan. I know Bill Burr. I know. I listen to these podcasts so much. I know these people. They're my friends. I listen to them every day. Um, but yeah, it's funny because the Audible books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Audible books. Uh, I, when they when they're read by the author, especially, um, they're. I feel like you're listening. You know, like you're having a conversation with the guy. You can kind of rewind and listen again. But yeah, I do a lot of Audible listening, which isn't as good as reading. But then I just listen to it three times because yeah. I could farm and listen to a book and it's not nearly as good to your point mike but i just beat it to death that's yeah i mean i try to carve out 
10 to 15 minutes every morning before I really get on with the day to do some reading. <laughs> I don't even know how you fucking do that. How do you do morning, that? man. I, I referred that last time. I know. I've tried, man. Just uh, I, I got so much shit I got to do in the morning. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. crazy. That's the thing. Do before you get on with your day. Because once your day starts. It's too hard. You can't, you can't do it. Stop. I'm already waking up at 4.30. Just oh, at- my God. 4.30 before I'm here, and I'm, I'm trying to be at, at the Delia group by 8, and most of the time it's like 8.15 before I even get the day started. I just, what I need to do is get rid of some fucking dogs. I just got yeah. too much shit to do in the morning, <laughs> you dogs. know? Got too many things going on to my workout. There was workout. a book I read about two years ago called Necessary Endings. That kind of goes with that higher fast, or higher slow fire fast, because it kind of tells you to get all the junk out of your life that's holding you back. Yeah. Yeah, because there's always reasons why you have a you have a mindset that's holding you from doing like you're saying, like like I, I don't know how to do that, I don't know how to fix that. Well, there's something that's holding you back. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I read that book, I remember thinking through my relationships with. At that time, I had a big staff, and I remember thinking through that and going, you know what, that's what's happening. You know, how do I raise the level of my quality because this person, I'm, I'm having to fix everything that this particular person's doing. Let's get it out of the way. Just be done with it. Yeah. That's, so Necessary Endings by Henry Cloud. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Thank you. Add to the wish list. I got one. Um, it's called Mindset by Carol Dweck, D-W-E-C-K. Kind of goes along with that. There's Everyone has a different uh, mindset and the way they, they kind of see themselves or think about things. Um, and if you can change the way you think about things, you can change pretty much anything. So, um, that was really good. I haven't finished it yet, but it's, it's really good. I'm on the second, no, third listen now of extreme ownership. Yeah. I love which that. Is awesome. I've listened to that four times now. Yeah. I'm on the third on that one. And I listen to his podcast quite often. I haven't listened to it in a couple of weeks here, but what? Jocko I don't miss yet. it. No, uh, it's one that I, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I I have Jocko on my brain more often than yeah. I probably don't, especially because every time I'm feeling miserable, I say good. And I think every time I'm feeling the worst, especially after like training or doing jujitsu as I'm getting choked unconscious and sweating my ass off, dying, wearing a winter coat and 95 degree weather pretty much. Um, as I'm laying there on the mat looking up at the lights, I'm thinking good. Mm-hmm. And that's because of Jocko. And it's honestly, uh, that's when I feel the best. Uh, throughout my day after like mike i'm serious you do you do need to check it out because once you're especially when you have something in your day that goes wrong or something that you just is like you just get that frustration go and roll and it's not about like punching and hitting stuff it's about just the exercise really but the jujitsu part of it for me just is like and jocko is obviously a brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt and um Talks about it on his podcast a lot. So his is one I listen to all the time. That book is amazing. I want to send him and 100,000 men back to the Middle East. Just don't even talk. Just tell me what you need. Fucking fix it and come back when it's done. That And I think that guy can do it. The Jocko podcast, my number one podcast in the, that I used to I don't. I never miss and I still do. It was a Joe Rogan podcast. And then I hate to say it, Joe. But the Jocko podcast took it over, man. That guy just, every time I listen to him, I'm like, I'm a miserable piece of shit and I need to do more. <laughs> There's so much more I need to do with my life. Jocko spelled how? Yeah. J-O-C-K-O. Yeah. Yeah. Well, of course. <laughs> yeah, I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, I'll put it in the show notes, folks. I'll put all that. What about anything else? Well, you've been working on, Tommy. You got, you got anything you've been reading or? No, I got a text 
on. Yeah, put it on the mic, man. This Tommy Desmond, folks. He's been on the podcast, too. He's been sitting like a fly on the wall. I've been absorbing it all. I mean, I'm not in the wholesale world, but I've just I've watched you guys blow up, so I needed to sit down. And I mean, I've known Ron for a long time, and I've known Steve, but just watching the way that you guys have literally exploded over the last, but not even a year, right? Six months, seven months. So I wanted to sit down and listen. But uh, I just finished, what was it? I got a couple in here. I was just adding new ones based yeah. on what you guys are saying. We were all doing it at the same time. We're like, wait, I, add it to the wish list. <laughs> I just finished Ego is the Enemy. That That's was really good. good. Yeah. Um, Ryan Holiday. Yeah. Ego is the Enemy. I've listened I to that twice. I got his other one, too, but I haven't read it yet. Some so. Delia team members could fucking listen to that thing. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> that helped them out. I had another, the Solving the Procrastination Puzzles. I'm in the middle of that one right now, and that's by Timothy Pitchell, P-Y-C-H-Y-L. Uh, so I was looking it up to see if it was the same one that you had, because I was like, I got a procrastinate book. I forget what it was called, but it's a different one. And it's pretty good. Like That's hitting me a lot right now, because there's definitely a lot of things that I... <sighs> procrastination is one of those things where it's like you don't think, you'd, especially if you have a lot of stuff to do, the prioritization, prioritizing all the things that you're supposed to do to maximize your efficiency. It's like that's my, one of my perennial issues, you know, and I've, I haven't historically been you as good alone. a team player as I need to be. So if you're not, you know, I don't come from like competitive sports or anything like that. I was always kind of solitary practitioner guy and learning how to get other people to out to leverage myself and and grow uh procrastination definitely is an element i've gotten at because what i do is i just i can prioritize my list however i want and without pushing it off to other team members i find myself doing things i know i shouldn't be doing and um, that's that's one of the biggest issues i've got is trying to get a handle on it right now so yeah yeah it's problematic so yeah (laughs) yeah it's kind of Piggyback and the procrastinating purpose book has like a four dimensional thing that kind of piggybacks off of, um, oh, crud, I can't remember that book. Uh, six habits of high efficient people, or yeah, the Covey. four different quadrants. Yeah, basically, it takes that and it throws it on another rotation where it has urgency mm-hmm. and long term durability to it. So, yes, yeah, something might be urgent now, but does that mean it's going to have the most impact for the longest period of time? Yeah, so it takes you into more of that quadrant two. But also makes you think long term on it. So you know, if yeah, I can do this in five seconds, but if I do it five seconds every day, every week, every month, every year, well, why it's up I give, to why, my why, whole why, thing. Yeah, why don't I pass it off to somebody else? So yeah. it's really good about there's there's like four or five different funnels that it puts it through. Basically, you know, can I eliminate this? Can I delegate this? Can I automate this? If I have to do it. Do I have to do it now? Mm-hmm. If I do have to do it now, then let's block off some freaking time. Mm-hmm. It's like a getting things done, like a David yeah, Allen kind of. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm definitely. I just downloaded it while we've been talking. <laughs> <laughs> Massive action. That's action. Yep. That was Tommy's another already one too, on the like switch. I just I finished that one. That is an ex FBI agent who goes through all of the tricks that the FBI used to use to get. Basically, people to turn into spies to get them to roll over and turn into spies. What was that? The, it's called the like switch, the and I like. got this one just on a whim. Let's see, what's it called? The like switch by Jack Schaefer, PhD, an ex FBI agent's guide to influencing, attracting, and winning people over. And there's some really good stuff in that. Actually, well, there I was is, surprised yeah. when I got it. I was like, oh, that's actually really good. So that was a good one. I go through a ton of this. I probably got twenty thousand audiobooks that I listen to. Shit, yeah, um, dude, I'm. Audio is, I'm so in love with podcasts and audiobooks just because I can do so much more. I still read. And by the way, folks, that's coming up. I'm going to do one, one book review a month. All right. Just one. 
and the numbers better fly off, right? That's all I'm saying. The be- the no- these we better hit double the numbers, but I'm going to do it. You need it. to get an Amazon affiliate link before you do that. Yeah, well, I have one. I just what I need to do is Start get. Sl- it on this book yeah, I, I I have one. Or before these. Yeah, then the procrastination part we were talking about earlier. <laughs> I actually have the account, and I. Don't even take the time to go through. That's back a leverage and, thing. You just find a JV for that. Yeah, I need to work on that. That's that's. I still got to work on this fucking website too. There's so much shit I got to do. I got to finish the book. Um, leverage. Yep. Hey, I'm trying, man. I'm just not trying very I good. Start listening to him like triple speed till you had said it one time. I thought, you know what? That's what I should do. Yeah. So I started listening to the E Visit Real Estate one, which is Stan Merrill and the guy. That guy's going. I'm like, dude, so I turned it to three speed. It was like he was talking normal. <laughs> you, you really focus in when you're Oh, yeah. Because really you're having fast. to listen. Yeah. 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 Well, you see, ben, I would Kenny. recommend starting at 1.5, then going to two, <laughs> yeah. and then just yeah. jumping right to three. Yeah. That ben, brain's got to catch up a little bit. Yeah. Ben yeah. Kinney had a really good thing. He had a, Ben he Kinney had a big uh, sit down a couple of weeks ago, and he what he does, and a cup apparently is a big thing for some of the higher producing agents. They get the audio book and the book, and they listen to the audio book on two or three times speed, and they read the actual book to follow along with it at the same time. And they said, yeah, and apparently they get a lot of, uh, and it, it the first time I've heard that, but he named off a ton of other guys that doing it and it's like one of the gary keller mastermind group tricks that a lot of these guys are doing so i'm i haven't done it yet but it's something on my list to- and that's ben kinney's a big uh, big time keller williams agent yeah. like selling fucking like everything 150 million last year yeah that's a lot yeah. yeah he sold a lot of shit yeah so um that's all i had and i want to open up is there anything that i didn't talk about that you guys want to talk about so and this could be anything you know i'm going to plug you at the end too but if there's anything i don't know or you, you want to do or anything any haves wants needs you want to put out maybe uh steve you want to put a call out for some from dialers or what, whatever you want to do yeah actually I was, I was thinking about that earlier when we were talking on yeah. that topic if you have sales experience in metro detroit you must have sales experience and you're interested in talking about uh, doing some work with me and maybe joining my team, hit me up 734-272-7004. Uh, my voicemail is full ha, and it will stay that way. So text me <laughs> if I don't answer. I always wonder about the full voicemail. Why don't you just disable your voicemail? Yeah, it was yeah, disabled for a long time. People do. Yeah, it was disabled. And then I made the mistake of, for some reason, making it all live, but because people would just hang up. Whereas if I leave a message that says, I don't really check my voicemail. So if you want a faster response, send me a text. I'm going to change it to say, I check my voicemails once a week instead of once a day. Yeah. But, once a year. Yeah. yeah. I may call you back. I may not. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just a weird one. I just recall everybody back. So anything else? Any you guys want to talk about anything else? Mike squared or cubed? And he has once needs desires or anything you want to put out. We're debate. We're both debate. Why not talk about? So, Mike and I are completely convinced that masterminds and having groups where you share information is absolutely critical, right? Yeah. He and I are are part of a, a national mastermind for real estate investors around the country. It's been huge for us. Um, we, if you, if you're in this industry and, and you're serious and you're not, you know, you know, if you're serious, you know, we, nobody can gauge your, your level of uh, authenticity when you say you want to do this. But if you really do reach out to Mike and I, we have kind of a double super secret mm. little mastermind that we're running covertly in the bowels of 
Metro Detroit. <laughs> 007 in, shit. In all seriousness, it's not it's not open to anybody, so I'm not going to plug it or tell you how you can get in it. But um, if you're interested in this business and you really want to learn and you're serious about taking action, get a hold of us. It's sort of, you know, I don't want to make it sound too crazy, but it's sort of by appointment only. Um, there's a lot of it, – it's not easy to get into it, but we do have a very small – very small group of people that we work with every month, every week, really, and help them grow their business and exchange ideas. And we we're very, very, I mean, we're very transparent about our business anyway, but this is like absolute doors wide open kind of transparency, but it's not for everybody. So don't be offended if, if we don't, uh, if we don't let you in. But anyways, if you're interested, give us a shout and, and we'll see how it goes. But I don't want to make it easy. I want to make it hard. Is there a handshake? (laughs) There is a handshake. It's a lot like, you know, when the Tigers have a walk-off and how they line up and they, you know, it's like those handshakes, basically. (laughs) You have to be able to do all of them. So Tommy Desmond is a... No. All right. Apparently, we can't... uh, We cannot disclose that information. Never mind. So... (laughs) But anyways, I, I, really, masterminds are, are huge. I think when you when you think you can do it on your own, you're you're wrong. Nobody does it on their own. Nobody. So yeah, even no. if you just have a couple of, of people in the in your local market that are doing what you're doing, you should sit down and, and brainstorm. To your point, Steve, um, just Mike and I are lucky. We have each other to com- just ever you know. There's no secrets, obviously, yeah. in our business. So um, it makes it a lot easier because everything he thinks is a great idea, I try my best to disprove it as a good idea and if i can't we do it and then vice versa if i think i have a great idea he'll do everything in his power to to make it seem like it's a horrible idea and then and if it's not then we do it right so that's sort of our, our method but that. you could do that with anybody right but i think it's important because there's a lot of crap that i think is a really good idea that probably isn't you know so you know for both of us so it's, it's really important to have that even if it's just one-on-one mastermind a friend of yours or somebody your colleague that's in the same industry so it's important yeah, not somebody you sleep with either, by the way. That just shit just does not work out. No. I'm just going to throw that out there. You know? <laughs> I agree with you. Yeah. Everybody else is like, yeah, duh. You know? But anyway, for those who maybe were a little slower on the uptake than I was. I don't uh, know. I probably should listen to my wife a bunch of times. And you know, she told me that was a really dumb idea. She's usually right. I actually true, true. I should have listened more well, often There's a reason not. why the good Lord gives you a wife. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. No comment. <laughs> what about you, Ron? You got anything you want to put out there? Well, I guess or? I would kind of piggyback off the masterminding thing is that the local Rias, these guys that are trying to learn is to come to those things and don't be the know-it-all and, you know, be some hum- put some humbleness in your spirit when you walk in. Um, I'm usually a, I'm a pretty good judge of, of human nature, and I can usually see a guy that actually is going to make it within like two or three seconds of them talking to me. <laughs> Better so, than me. <laughs> you know, so, and of course, I mean, I'm a broker. I hold licenses for real estate and real tards that have invested, that like to invest. <laughs> and I'm not your typical broker. So if you're interested in some of that, and I like, I haven't started that yet, but the 28 people I have, I want to do a mastermind with that. More of a, because they all have deals, they don't do regular real estate and I won't let them. So there's a whole different avenue to what I'm doing. And it's really kind of catching on recently. I think I've added like eight, nine people in the last four or five months. So I refer everyone to Ron. So do I. Yeah. yeah. So, and I appreciate that. I mean, I'm a different guy. If you want to list a property, do not call me. Yeah. You can list your own, but you're not listing your uh, neighbors or your, even your father's house. You can so. call me, 313-600-2133. I will list and sell the fuck out of that house, and you'll thank me, yeah, and, and you're I welcome. I, if the guys call me and they want to do that, that's what I say. You need to refer it out so you can collect. And I'll always tell you to get a license. I mean, if you're, if you're on the fence about getting one or not getting one, 
you should get one. I would agree. Yeah. And actually, this coming up month at the Oakland Ria, and I'll plug it real quick, is that that's the topic is should I or shouldn't I? You know, get my license or not. Well, don't you have you have a Saturday meeting too? Um, yeah, yeah, go ahead and plug that. Yeah, every fourth Saturday at the Kirby's in Troy at Crooks and Seventy Five, we have a advanced mastermind meeting. That's part of the Oakland Ria group. So that's a if you're a member, it's free. If it not, it's five dollars to show up. Typically, you have 12, 15 people. It's me, my Oh, shit. I think I owe you five bucks then. Yeah, I don't yeah. usually enforce it, so you don't? don't tell anybody. Sorry. But <laughs> I just look at most of the time, it's usually the members that come anyway. Yeah. But there's a prerequisite to that. You're supposed to have done 10 deals or so before you can get in. I don't usually enforce that either. If you come and you've got a good spirit about you, you're in. Mm-hmm. So, and everybody's, we talk about specific stuff, not necessarily rabbit trails. Um, and it's from 8.30 every fourth Saturday to 10.30 um, at the Kirby's at 5407 Crooks, I think is the address. Okay. Do you uh, in, do you just do that invite on Facebook or do you use Meetup too? Or? Um, well, we have a Meetup page. Oakland Rhea has it. It's there. Okay. It's there. And then on the Oakland Rhea Facebook page, I'll send it out to the members of that of the members of that Facebook page. Okay. So, and, and every once in a while, I'll blast it out to my regular buyers list too. If I'm thinking it's going to be light. So um, if you want to be on the buyer's list, give me a call. Yeah. What would, what would that be, Ron? Where would that be? Yeah. Uh, Ron at iBuyMIHomes.com. There you go. Send me an email. Um, you can go to www.iBuyMIHomes.com if you got a house to sell. Yeah. Or if you need, and I guess I'll throw this out too, is if you need some help doing deals, you can call me. Five eight six four one three six one nine zero, and I'll help you out in any way possible, and we'll cooperate and we'll do all that kind of stuff. So I'm a very transparent and honest kind of guy. So yeah, I appreciate that, Tommy. Since you're here, do you have anything you want to put out in the universe? You sat through the whole thing, so yeah. Uh, well, mostly what I'm doing right now is I got a ton of deals coming in, not just in Michigan, but actually in other states as well. So I'm basically building my pot, my private money stash. We've got a bunch of really good guys in there now, but uh, I mean, if you're interested in getting involved in some uh, good private money lending scenarios and putting in on deals with, uh, you know, we've already had tons of flips, tons of, you know, rental units now. So uh, we've got experience doing this. And if you'd like to get involved, you give me a call, Tommy, T-O-M-M-Y at DesmondRealty.com, uh, 248-906-8659. Awesome. Anything else you guys want to put out there? Anything you want? All right. I'm going to wrap it up. Go ahead. Oh, we buy ROI.com to get on our buyers list. Yeah. And for Steve, 313cashdeals.com. Get it out. Page like showed up on my feet today. Did you like start doing something with that? 313? No, no. You went to, you had to go onto his website, right? Yeah. Go to his website. You get the Facebook pixel and then you get retargeted. Yeah. You got retargeted, son. Yeah. So I guess it worked. The the Facebook is coming for you. I see it all the time. I just wrote that on all my notes. Mike's, it's sticking. Mike's, Mike's, it's sticking. it's, now it's just M2. Yeah, right? see? Yeah. So you're welcome. There you go. Sorry, That's my first nickname. <laughs> well, I want to thank my guests today, Mike Cowper, Mike Simmons, Ron Walraven, Steve Londo, and, of course, Tommy Desmond in the fly on the wall in the background. And I definitely want to encourage you guys to check out what they're working on. So that's Mike Cowper. That's Mike Buys Houses for Cash.com. We buy ROI.com, 248-871-7450. Mike Simmons, 
webuyroi.com also has a podcast just start realestate.com forward slash itunes look it up you can look it up as well facebook.com forward slash simmons investments and then we got ron walraven ibuymihomes.com also hit him up on twitter at ron walraven facebook.com forward slash ron dot walraven steve londo steve buys houses fast.com 313cashdeals.com flip this podcast.com Look it up, and I just saw there's a new episode. It binged That's on my right. phone today. Yes, yes. So, and the one I haven't been plugging, I'm going to start plugging, is my Snapchat. But oh, it's not real estate related in terms of its name. It's Detroit MMA. Detroit MMA. Look up Steve Detroit MMA seven three four two seven two seven zero zero four. He would like you to leave a voicemail. He prefers voicemail. So good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to frustrate some people, right? I'm going to throw you off the scent. And uh, hey, guys, I want to thank you guys too. Um, I don't think it's an accident my podcast took off. I had some good guests, and I've learned a lot from you guys, too. I've changed my scripts, how I close, all that. I really appreciate the time and energy and coming out and doing all this and sharing it for people and me. It really does help me, and it helps other people. So thank you, guys. And come on, guys. If you haven't already, rate this on iTunes. Got to help me out, all right? I said I'd do it for a year. It, it kind of did its thing. It's too small to keep doing it the same way. It needs to be bigger. I don't want to quit. So I'm going to do it for another year, but I need your help. If you haven't already, go rate it on iTunes, SoundCloud, whatever you're using, go rate it, like it, share it across the internet. We need to grow. The goal is to grow it from where about 500 weekly listeners. We want to grow it to 5,000 weekly listeners in the next year. And then I can monetize this thing, right? And if I can monetize this thing, it's going to be a lot easier for me to sit down and do this. Last year, I literally took a, basically, if you count up all the hours I worked on it, I took a month off. I want you to think about taking a month off and putting out this information, right? And for all my guests, that's a lot of man hours they took out of their business too. So go check them out. Say hi. Say I, I sent you. Say you heard it on the podcast. Give them a call. See if you can't do some business with them too. That's how this shit works, right? Otherwise, it's going to go away. All right. So renegadedetroit.com. If you're interested in going to any of the meetings, go to meetup.com forward slash renegade Detroit investors or facebook.com forward slash Detroit investment club. Hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at Jeremy Burgess on Snapchat at Jeremy A. Burgess, youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit wholesalers. And as I wrap up this podcast, I do want to take a moment to encourage you to take the steps you need to become financially independent. I know I say this every week, but how about you fucking do something? All right. How about it? Go, go fucking do something. Do it. Do it. All right. I know there are extractions, mistakes, poisonous people. I trust me. I fucked it up. I fucked it all up. It's not a good reason not to do something, right? Pick a goal. Stick with it. Don't give up. Do something every day. Or as we say in Detroit, every day. They get you close to your goals, even if it's one step. All successful people fail. That's right. So nothing special about failing. Thank you for listening, and I appreciate your attention. I knew I won't. Uh, you have a lot of things you could be doing, and I'll catch you on the next podcast. And until then, fucking crush it. <laughs>